Otherwise, as well, you've got about an hour or so. Yeah, no problem, as long as you need. Nice one. Guys, we are live with the legendary Mr. Krauser. Nick, where are you, where are you at the moment? You look like you're in Newcastle. Uh, well, I do have my feet up in a comfy chair, but uh, I'm in Belgrade, Serbia. Belgrade, um, Serbia. And how's the situation over there with COVID and masks and stuff? Because I've heard it's pretty open, but we'll, we'll still yeah, go it's a lot better than Newcastle, mate. It's, uh, <laughs> I left January, I left Newcastle. It was snowing. Everything was locked down except, you know, pharmacies and supermarkets. Fearful, miserable. And I uh, come to Belgrade and it's mostly open. Restaurants are shut. But you know the gym's open. You can get you know sit outside in cafes. People are on the street. It's all right. What's the vibe in terms of like the uh, the girls and, and people? Are they kind of because Mexico, Brazil, where I am, no one gives a fuck. Are they more kind of a bit like apprehensive, like Colombia, yeah. or they just they yeah. are taking it seriously? Um, I mean, I'd say there's probably only about one in four wearing masks of like you know the younger demographic. Um, but you can definitely feel. I mean, like me, like I'm here with like a couple of pals. Uh, for example, one of my pals, Jimmy. And you know, you know what day gamers are like. You're always analysing the street, right? You're constantly looking for patterns, like you know, like which side of the street has the best set. So you know, which shop, if you open in front of, has the best success rate, and like that shit like that. You can't help it. And one of the things we look for is like you know, we call it the canary in the coal mine, which is little indicators. You get on the street that suggests that the vibe's going to be good, you know, for the for the session. And uh, one of those indicators we've got is um, when you have like two daft underage girls wandering around, you know, dressed like whores, looking for trouble, you know, like making a noise and looking around and giggling and shit like that, because that always makes you think, oh, their older sisters are probably going to be out as well. Right. And uh, we're starting to see a bit of that, you know, like for example, yesterday. There's a lot of daft little daft lasses in two sets and three sets, you know, walking up and down canaries, giggling, staring at stuff, you know, squeaking, making a noise. And, you know, sure enough, you know, what I take to be their older sisters also eventually came out. But it's, I mean, it's like 50% what I'm used to, though. It's definitely down. It's significantly down. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and for, obviously, I'll follow yourself for a while. I think, you know, alongside a couple of the other dudes, um, you know, the kind of forming that London day game model that a lot of guys have learned from. You're a big, you're a big influence back in the day. Um, what I mean for, for for guys that have been living under a rock or who maybe haven't heard of you. I mean, just in a kind of nutshell, who are you? What do you do? All right. Yeah. Well, I was one of what I don't know what you might call the first generation of London day gamers. You know, like uh, I was around the same time as you know Tom Torero. Anthony Hustle, Yad, Sasha, Andy Yosha, those sorts of guys. Although I wasn't like particularly tally with anyone except Tom. And then uh, I'm on crew with guys as well, like you know, pals like Jimmy and Nick and Fernando. And um, that was back 2009, 2010, when we were still trying to figure out, you know, the optimal way of doing day game. So right. we were going around London, you know, very regularly, very obsessively, and trying all sorts of stuff out, you know, trying advice that we got from America, like, you know, Mystery Method, Gunwich, David Angelo, whatever, you know, that era of guys were trying other stuff, and we just gradually put this model together, so I was one of the guys who, you know, put that model together, and I guess our 
part of my you know notoriety to the fact that I was the first guy to really write a book on it you know to really lay it out you know which was day game night row and then I kind of did a better version of day game mastery and that book seems to have hit you know it's considered the key day game text so I guess that keeps my name relevant as I get old and gray and uh, I mean how many books have you written in total now on the subject too many, mate. Fucking <laughs> one lifetime. No, well, I've, I've written um, three textbooks. Right. Day Game Mastery, Day Game Internet, which are, you know, approximately beginner, intermediate, advanced, respectively. I've written um, seven, yes, seven memoirs, of which the final one is going to be published in a month or two. Yeah, I've written it. I've just uh, got a few pals, like, you know, test reading and stuff, but it's nearly done. That's basically charting my story from, you know, my first cold approach right up to my uh, kind of retirement from being an active player, you know, living the kind of lifestyle you've got now, you know, where you're hopping around the country, where you're hopping around the world with your pals, freedom, living the dream, hitting on skirt, you know, I used to really enjoy that. I'm still doing it a little bit, but the memoir's got my, my entire story of that. And then, uh, and then I co-wrote a book with uh, Tom Torero called Beginner Day Game. That's I remember it. reading that one back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's been discontinued now. I mean, I, I like the book. It's uh, very prescriptive because it's beginners, but it really lays things out clearly. Although, unfortunately, I think the fashion advice and photos led to an epidemic of uh, black leather jackets, brown boots and ripped jeans. and like scullerings and that. So, yeah, I, th I think I got a hold of my hands here. Sorry, lads, that was my fault. And uh, that's been discontinued because, you know, me and Tom went our separate ways and he wanted to basically do his own version of his beginner book. And then I've also um, edited, I wouldn't say co-wrote, but, you know, there's a book, Primal Seduction, that Steve Jabber did. He did, like, the first book entirely himself. And then I helped him do the second edition where we added, you know, we doubled the content by adding a load of interviews. Like, I interviewed him and, uh, you know, cleaned it up a bit, you know, tweaked it a bit so I think it's you know a really good book and uh but yeah I mean it was mostly Java the ideas are mostly Java so it's not really a co-written book so yeah I guess that makes it 12 but I only think of 10 of them as my own you know the one, the only one you know. and what was the uh, I think a lot of guys that I've worked with that do know about you the inspiring thing from their point of view is the fact you got into this fucking late you know at the point which most guys if, you, if you're taking things concepts from like the rational way I would assume to be or People that don't understand the concept of, of male market value age-wise would probably deem it to be too late. But you got into this at like what, what age? Thirty-four. I did my first 34. call to age thirty-four. So my age now, basically. All right. So you look younger, James. You look younger. I do. I do. It's the whiskey and the cigarettes that's been keeping me looking young. But yeah, what was is um, yes, yeah, so I was married. Um, I was married three years, although I was with the girl for nine. You know, it was like nine-year relationship in total, and. Uh, yeah, got divorced, didn't know what to do. So, you know, I thought, right, well, yeah, I'll try this game stuff. That was beginning of 2009. And um, I was 34. And it was very shortly before, um, well, I've just seen that comment from Raj, your Welsh friend in game. That, that's a long running joke, that is. It's, uh, you know, you shall not be named. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, and just before my 35th birthday, I got my first, you know, genuine cold approach lay. So, yeah, start right. And I was speaking to a, a mutual friend um, <clears throat> of ours, uh, but who goes, I think, it's a fake name by the name of Dan. Uh, good lad. Rudy, he was, you're talking about Rudy? 
I don't know. I just know his his name. Or his real name begins with D, but he calls himself yeah, Speed Gun. Yeah. yeah. Talking about Breeding C. Uh, Breeding C. Okay, yeah. So he was yeah, saying that actually yeah, yeah. Oh, he saw you re- he saw you recently back in Newcastle, and he said he's seen the first ever set you've ever done. I think you actually skipped out the north, didn't you? You didn't go through that whole pain process of bothering to approach in northern England. He was like, "This is the first set Nick's ever done um, in lockdown in Newcastle." Some fat Chris, Chinese you, bird or something. I don't know. Yeah, because I started in London because I was living in London at the time, right? Um, you were yeah, living in London. I didn't realise. Yeah, yeah, I had a full time job. Um, yeah, I moved to London after graduation. Spent three years there to do my um, professional qualifications in finance. Then I went off to Japan, you know, massive career break. Then I came back. So I think in total, by the, you know, I probably spent like 10 years living in London, you know, total of my life. And I was right. in London at the time. And I mean, I, I, I think you remember because you started what, by 2011, around about that time, 2012? You started oh, doing 2012, yeah. Right, it was fucking good back then, wasn't it, right? Because it was all East Europeans. Like now they've all been replaced, you know, like in Cafe Nero or wherever, you know, like what, you know, you used to buy your coffee from like a Lithuanian or a Pole. Now you buy them off like a Spaniard or an Italian. And these two Very places. true. Very true. The, the, uh, the, the demographic shift. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think the East Europeans are better for day game, you know, they're hotter and a bit easier to get out of their social circle. Yeah. I've never had, su- I've never had success with Spanish, Italians, Portuguese, you know, what's generally, I mean, I like them. You know, but for some reason they don't seem to like fucking Nick. You know, I'm not very lovable to them. Whereas East Europeans seem, you know, much more into buying what I'm selling, right? Right. So, yeah, London was great back then. Absolutely great. I mean, all my pals in London keep saying, "Oh, it's much shitter now," but maybe that's just, you know, it stayed the same. But they've changed. But back when I was doing it, you know, it was a couple of years. It was a right laugh, right laugh. You know, so I never needed go back to Newcastle. Yes, I think I spent my entire first year of cold approach only in London. It wasn't until like a year after a year that I had my first ever trip to Lithuania and discovered the pleasures of Eurojumping. That's a key point, isn't it? Because I think one of the main regrets I had was I, I was basically charging around working in London as well, hitting the day game pretty hard for the first two or three years. And I almost had it in my brain that it was cheating to leave London. Like if it wasn't the cold approach and it wasn't done in the streets of London, Oxford Circus, it was cheating, which is in hindsight, fucking bullshit. Cause you know, any hustle, who gives a shit? If it's a hot girl and you get out to bed, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I think for me, that's probably the one regret is I didn't start traveling to maybe three years in. Uh, but where was the first, so you went to Lithuania after that, where did you, where did you head to? Where were the kind of like early spots? Did you go to any like horror shows where you're like, what the fuck that you're wanting to explore? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I'm, I'm, I don't want to like, I don't like try and pass it off like I was the first guy to have the idea to travel and try and get laid, right? Men have been doing it for hundreds of years, right? Is that what I you're mean, saying, Nick? Is that basically what you're saying? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I just recently, I've been reading the Casanova memoir, right? Which You yeah, said it was shit. I remember reading your review on that. You said it was absolute bullshit. He was a bit of a, he was a pit kiddie yeah, fiddler and he didn't get laid much. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he was paying for most of it and he was a pedo and, and a homo. He was getting, he was literally getting bummed off sweaty Turks in Istanbul, right? Like, literally. Um... Which, you know, fortunately, I've never done, right? Like, I mean, I used to want to follow Casanova, right? But I thought, you know, that stuff you can keep. But yeah, it's like, I mean, Casanova was doing it like a couple hundred years ago, quote, here, not exactly what we're doing, not the same conditions. But, you know, people have been doing it a while, but when me and Jimmy did it um, in 2010, it felt like it was new. Maybe it was just new to us, you know? Or maybe it was just new doing it this particular way with street game. 
Right. And people are tight to speaking. But yeah, we felt like every time we went on a trip to a new place, we felt like we were like stepping into the unknown. I mean, we only went to Lithuania by accident. It's like some guy who ran like a self-improvement men's group there. had seen our videos on YouTube and said, oh, look, we're, can you teach these guys pickup? And we were like, Lithuania, who the fuck wants to go there, right? Like, you know, they all just live in cabins and eat potatoes. Like, who wants to go? And then right. we went there and our eyes popped out our head at the quality, right, compared to London. And, you know, the place had never been, like, properly day-gamed, like, ever. Not, not like the way we were doing it. So it just felt like, you know, that scene in Ocean's Eleven where they're robbing the casino, they're robbing the casino in Vegas in broad daylight, you know? And uh, so after that, we, we came back from Lithuania. We're like, we've got to do more of this. Like, there's this whole world we've got to look at, right? So for me personally, after Lithuania, I think it was went to Łódź, Krakow and Łódź uh, in Poland. Then the next trip, I think, was Zagreb. Right. Then I think that was it for the 2010. But by 2011, you know, we went off to Latvia to do a boot camp there, taking some guys over from London. It, you know, we didn't think it through. It was February. It was minus 20. Right? <laughs> uh, although we did get laid. Most of us got laid. Freezing uh, your bollocks off. Oh, it was horrible. No, it was funny. I mean, all this is written in my memoirs, right? Like all the fucking sordid details in the memoirs. Yeah, we did Latvia, and then um, oh, that was 2011. So what, what came after that? I tried a bit of Southern Hemisphere. I tried Thailand and Mexico, but I didn't like them. I, I don't like the heat and I don't like the girls. Interesting. You know, so you went to Mexico. You, did you, did, you've never been over to Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, that sort of area, have you? Brazil? Yeah, I've been to Brazil. Brazil in early 2013, and I fucking hated it. Absolutely. Really? But I did get robbed at gunpoint. That didn't help, you know. Like, Fuck. What, what was that in Rio? Or? Yeah, yeah. It was in um, God. There's a football team in Brazil beginning with B. Botafogo. Botafogo. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. quite a nice neighborhood, right? It's it's not like a shifty neighborhood. No, it's not. It's, it's high end. Yeah. So I was walking there because my pal Fernando, who's Brazilian. Uh, he's from a town near Sao Paulo. He was up in Rio, you know, like showing me around his country. So he had a nice um, hostel room in Botafogo. So like 4 p.m. in the afternoon, I go to like, you know, from the metro station to his hostel. I'm walking down this really nice street. You know, the kind of cars parked there, they're like Audis and Beamers and, you know, nice cars parked there. You know, there's nice little cafes. And there's this like weird, freaky kind of twilight zone moment. Where as I'm walking, I suddenly notice there's nobody around. It's like it's gone from like the streets like kind of humming, not like rammed, but you know, it's humming, there's people around. There's suddenly within like a 20 meter radius of me, there's like nobody. And then this uh, old woman comes up to me, like coming the other direction, proper old, like like 75 or something, like bent over and that. And she starts fucking pulling on my arm and fucking going on in a Brazilian gibberish, right? And so I just think, oh, it's just some. Just some crazy fucking woman, right? Because I'd had a few crazies talk to me. So I'm trying to speak fucking Brazilian, right? I'm like, me no fala fucking Portuguese and all that, right? <laughs> so I just think she's going to try and get money off me. So, you know. Which she would have been, she would have been, right? That's what well, you Well, no, here's the thing, here's what happened, right? Is I just basically shrugged her off and kept walking. And then about 30 seconds later, because it's still really fucking quiet, right? Like there's an intersection at the bottom of the road, but it's like another like 30 meters away. And I can see loads of people. There's loads of people on the intersection, you know, just milling around. But there's like nobody between me and them. 
And then I walk, I'm walking further down, and suddenly these like four lads who look about 19, 20 year old, like favela lads, you know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say on this channel, but uh, they didn't quite have my skin tone. Is um, they just came fucking made a beeline across the road for me, and there's the halfway across the road, they start fucking talking and that. And um, and then as they get near, one of them's like clearly the like the leader. He's got this like sweater over his arm because he's like wearing like a fucking muscle vest or something, you know. But he's got this like uh, jumper over his arm that's like really hot. And he pulls it up and he's got this fucking gun. And I mean, the gun looks like a fucking cannon, like you know, because of the adrenaline, right? He's he's probably just like a fucking nine millimeter automatic, you know, sort of thing you see in fucking John Woo movies and the fucking shoot two of them, right? But like he didn't point it at me or anything. But yeah, he showed me the fucking gun as he's coming over. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm getting robbed, aren't I? So I just stand there with my hands apart like that. I just shrug, like, go on, fucking take what you want. And uh, so, you know, as he stands off, and uh, while his three pals like go through all my pockets and stuff. But it was really weird because, um, I mean, I didn't realize that the t- why at the time, but I wasn't scared at all. And it's like, not because I'm rock, it's because like my body had like seen these like subtle signals and thought, look, you got nothing to worry about. And I had to like figure out later what those signals were. But for basically, I wasn't scared. So I just said, like, take, take the stuff. So they took my uh, Samsung Galaxy 2 or whatever it was, fucking nicked that. They um, took off my little, like, fake Tag Heuer Le Mans watch, the Steve McQueen one, which I really loved, the blue one. Right? I mean, it was only worth 100 quid, but it took me ages to get a fucking good fake of it. So they took that. So probably they'd have been well dis- distressed when they found out it was fake. Um, then they would, like, took my wallet out of my pocket. And this is where it got really weird, right? Like, they took my passport out. And I said, no, I need that. So they give my passport back, right? It's no use to them, right? But then they went through my wallet. They took the money out and fucking handed my wallet back with all my cards, right? Result. Now, I'm assuming that's because they figured I probably wouldn't bother going to the police or shit like that if, you know, if I got if I had all my cards, didn't have to go. But anyway, like, I don't know what to say. So I was like, oh, thank you. Right? And then, like... <laughs> The wallet back in my pocket, and then that basically they ran out of pockets, right? Because I was only wearing like shorts and fucking t shirt, you know. And uh, so I looked at them and I was like, like Do I go now? And they're like, Yeah, I was like, All right, but I wasn't really sure the etiquette, right? I say, Oh, like, thanks for the mugging or something, you know, have a nice day. So, um, so then I walked off, you know, went to see my pal. Obviously, I'm immediately sort of shamelessly using it on my leads back in Europe, you know, I start tapping all these like girls, hey, and I just got fucking mugged at gunpoint because obviously that's a takeaway, right? Like they think, oh shit, you could have been killed. Right? So it's like a mega takeaway. And then I figured out what why I wasn't um scared is uh, they never pointed the gun at me. Right. And they were clearly not on drugs. I could see from their eyes that they were like really like you know lucid normal, not like crazy junky eyes. They were all in shape. They all looked like they went to the gym. So I was thinking they, you know, they've obviously got like self-respect. Right, they're not. They don't treat their own lives cheaply, right? They're not going to like do stupid shit and get into trouble. And then my pal Fernando was saying, "Yeah, like those guys were probably shitting it because if the cops had caught them, you know, might have got shot dead, or you know, really? got okay. you know, like they were taking a big fucking risk." And um, so yeah, they just wanted it to be like a really clean robbery with no drama, which was, you know, funny enough, exactly what I wanted. So you know, we cooperated on a nice clean robbery, and I got my story. It cost me about two hundred pound in lost cash and phone, maybe two hundred fifty pound. But yeah, I got, I got a story better than two hundred fifty quid. I was quite pleased. Yeah, 
I think I've, I've had a similar thing in, in Sao Paulo, but I put myself in harm's way. I was absolutely battered, went into a whorehouse. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, this, this guy came up and he blew this white powder in my, in my face. And I, I remember going, the girl leading me into this, this hostel. I had a flight to Vegas at the X-Day teacher boot camp. And I remember waking up like, where the fuck am I? And she's just at the end of the bed. Um, and I was like, she was like, do you want to go for a beer? And I was like, this is weird. Uh, okay. Checks, like my pockets. My phone was there. My passport was there. Cards were still there. So we went and, uh, you know, had a quick beer. And then I was like, right, I've got to go to the airport. And on the way there, this was a couple of years ago, on the way there, I opened my monzo up. And I'd, it'd been absolutely, like, rinsed out. Completely rinsed out. Um, so she'd obviously seen me, like, somehow found my pin code. But luckily, just not taking my phone you know, passport, all that stuff. And she'd stayed there as well, which means, you know, if she really wanted to mug me over, she'd rob taking all that stuff. Because that's the real fuck over, isn't it? Taking a passport, taking it, yeah. you got your phone taken. But she only took money or she only just withdrew money. I was quite happy with that. I was like, fucking result. So it was the whore blew the stuff in your face. There's a, no, one of, our, one of our mates came up and they were just, I was asking for cocaine. And uh, this guy just <laughs> <came> <laughs> oh, I was asking for cocaine. <laughs> blew this, yeah, blew this like mysterious white powder. I've got a feeling it was this stuff called like Vice did a documentary called like scalopamine. Makes you into a bit, stuff just makes you a bit of a zombie. You're just like out of it. You can be told to do shit, and you just don't know what the fuck's up. Um, but yeah, I mean, did you did you on your travels? Because you've been some pretty hairy places, like what, what people would consider hairy places, right? Is that kind of the worst thing you've ended up in? Or have you ended up in situations where you're like, fuck, this could get really fucking messy? Maybe you've hit on someone's, uh, uh, like a girl's like, boyfriend. Like, turned I've, up. I've led a charmed life, mate. It's like... Really? I mean, gone I've away with it? Got fucking shit-faced and gone to a Brazilian whorehouse trying to get coke. Right? I think you're kind of asking for trouble, right? Massively. <laughs> Self-destructive, that, that shadow side. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I kind of wish I'd done something like that. I wouldn't mind getting fucking drunk if I had a story like that to show for it. Um, no, like, I've, I've been a relatively fucking good boy because um, I never, well, I, not never, but I very rarely get blotted or drunk. I very rarely put myself into environmentally dangerous places. Um, and for some reason, people tend not to give me shit. I don't know why it is. It's not like, I mean, I'm no bigger than you are, right? It's like, it's not like people look at me and think, oh, best not fuck with him. But for some reason, I don't get a lot of trouble, you know? I mean, I did nearly shag a transsexual in Mexico when I was shit-faced. So, I mean, I mean, that could have been a better story, but fortunately, I fucking realized at the, at the key moment. And uh, just as, so what that was, that was in um, Claire del Carmen. So on the East ah, Coast. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't realize they had many transsexuals in Playa. I was, I mean, I've had a couple of stories from Thailand, but yeah, yeah, okay. What happened? Well, it was 2012, I think January 2012. So I was there for a month with uh, my pal Nick, who was one of the, you know, one of the early London day game guys. Is he a known guy? Is he, or is he, is he offline? Pardon? Is he, is he a known guy? This your friend? No, Nick? no, no. never been out. I mean, back then he had a blog. He was called right. Bert on the blog, and he had a few infields up, but it's all gone now. You know, he, right. He was one of the rock solid game coaches, you know, and he lived with us in the big house in Hampstead. But anyway, I was there with him and a Greek guide he knew called George, and uh, we were just out like, getting shit-faced. I got, like, proper drunk. I don't know why. It was, like, maybe what he said about the shadow side, but I was just in a mood to, like, really disgrace myself. So I got absolutely blotto. Um, we went to some nightclubs and I was just hitting on 
fucking ugly girls, you know, lot of drunk. Uh, I remember fucking pulling a hot girl off a guy and making out with her, and it was our fucking, <laughs> it was our boyfriend. God knows why, but he never fucking punched me. Maybe it was like these other two guys were behind me and like looking after me, and I didn't even know, you know. Then um, I was making out with some fucking fat, horrible Mayan girl. And uh, and then, yes, yeah, so I was sitting outside, block of drunk, sitting, you know, just sitting on the curb outside the club, and some fucking girl, like, fucking makes a beeline for me and starts, like, chatting me up. Right. And I'm like, fucking hell. And, you know, at no point did I think this is a bit odd. This doesn't normally happen to me. And then, you know, she's, like, really keen to fucking drag me off. And I'm, so I'm obviously thinking, like, a PUA. I'm thinking, fucking hell, I can get a fast game night later here. You know, I can yeah. about the toilets all night, the fucking boss, right? In my, like, clouded drunk mind. You know, I was too full of myself to realize that, you know, really this stuff doesn't happen very often and I shouldn't be suspicious. So, yeah, I fucking dragged her into the toilets of this um, bar across the road. And, you know, I was trying to fucking pull up, you know, niggas down from the front. She was like, no, no, trying to turn around. Right. Now, come on, like, that's a bit fucking weird. And I think that's when I first twigged, right? I was trying to pull her, no, no, and trying to turn around. I was like, this is a bit fucking odd. And then I'm like wondering, and just as I think, I think this is a fucking tranny. The door gets ripped open to the toilet, and it's about, oh, George just fucking yanks me out. He's like, no, fucking come here. And they just fucking take you home and put me in bed, you know, like, no more trouble from you, pal. So, uh, yeah, it was a close shave. Yeah, I mean, I had a couple. One of one of them was, you know, uh, pretty hot, actually, and I just didn't really, Lady Voice tends to be very striking in Thailand. Genuinely didn't, just didn't realise. She'd had a lot of work done, obviously. No Adam's apple, just, just completely feminine, very feminine voice. Took her back. Skirt comes down, out comes this fucking, you know, baby doll holding an apple. And she was like, she just kind of looked at me as if to say, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, I wasn't angry. I was just disappointed. I was like, come on, Tim Tam. You had a good run. It's not going to happen. She's like, well, please, Mr. James, we have fun. Double sausage. I was like, come on. You've got to go. You've got to go. I'm not angry. You know, I wasn't angry. I was like, you always have me. Good try. And then another time I was absolutely fucked up my face. And I went to finger her and my finger went into three different slots in her pussy. Basically, I could pick her up like a bowling ball if I put my finger up the stinker. So that was, I mean, that was definitely post op. I mean, that's, Holy I mean, that, that was a messy one. But that's the, that's the risky run in Thailand. Did you say this Thailand? Thailand, well, the yeah. Fucking, the problem in Thailand is that the fucking lady boys are really dedicated. They put like English trannies to shame, right? It's they like do. English trannies just look like female clowns, right? Just fucking <laughs> stumbling down the street with fucking, you know, like fucking big jaws and that. But in fucking Thailand, they're all juiced up on hormones. So they have like wide hips, they have smooth skin. Some of them start to develop like, you know, fucking breasts even before they get an up. So yeah, these guys, um, well, girls, whatever you want to call them, they're really fucking committed to being tranny. And they're actually in better shape than the local girls, like the real girls. So, you know, often, like there was a couple of like near tranny experiences I had in Thailand a few years ago. But I was trying everything. I was like, look for the Adam's apple, look yeah. at the fucking index finger length. You know, listen, it, to the end, the only way I could think of, which could be certain, was demand to see their school photos on Facebook. School photos, that's amazing. At least it's in a girl's uniform, right? Yeah. That's so, fucking uh, yeah, brilliant. Because, you know, Thailand's like dead easy, right? If you're like a white guy. So there's a lot of girls I turned down because I was I just couldn't do the risk. You know, I was in that little fucking grey area where I think it's a, a woman, but I really don't want to take the risk, so I'll just fucking 
the sort of thing you'd never do in school, right? That, that just never comes up. It just never comes thought, up. The thought of you sitting in a bar, literally with a horde of these characters, just like going examining their Facebook photos from back in the day, it's uh, a, a sight to rise. We've got a question from Ed. Thank you for the donation. Question for for Nick. Nick has said he's very strict on screening people before choosing to coach them and looks to avoid autistic people. Do you believe autistic people are beyond helping in regards to day game? Well, you've got to moderate expectations drastically. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not like a fucking school bully. I'm not like, yeah, you're autistic. Let's beat you up or anything. i got no problem with autistic people. But it's just you've got to accept the fucking scale of the challenge for day game. Is day game primarily... You know, if you try and break it down to brass tacks, is it's like weaponized charisma. It's, you know, you've got a foundation of being socially normal, right. being social cues, being social savvy. That's like the foundation. Without that, everything comes off weird. And then on top of that, you have this like weaponized charisma in the model you're taking them through and all these other like higher level traits to try and coach. So the problem if you're autistic is you don't really have that foundation. Mm-hmm. Now, Maybe the day game model is, I saw an earlier comment, someone said me and Torero had done like stripped down day game, you know, we'd actually deconstructed it and said, right, here's each little piece, what it does, so you can practice it individually. By putting it into like a detailed model, it perhaps gives you know, people on the spectrum a little bit of false hope that you can learn it like you would learn, you know, engineering or maths, but you can't, it's, it's, it's an alive thing. So I wouldn't say autistic people can't get laid. I mean, everybody who does game, if you do it well, you're going to get better than what you previously got. Right. But autistic people have got to accept that, unfortunately, just like if they're, you know, really short or facially disfigured or whatever it is, there's certain things women demand. And if you're lacking in that, it's going to be harder, right? You've got to, you've got to either, if it's something you can fix, great, fix it. But some, I mean, I can't fix my bald head, right? Like, you know, like that fucking ship sailed for a hair transplant, right? Like, you know, you, you can only work with what you got. So, yeah, if you're autistic, you can do the game, but you really can't expect to get the results that, you know, people aren't on the spectrum are getting. Yeah, I think it depends as well on how you have met guys who are mildly autistic versus severely autistic. So I think that, that plays into it as well. But I remember actually you, you wrote in an article once, you know, for guys that are listening to this in, in the review, check out Nick's blog. There's some fantastic stuff on there. But you, you actually said day game is often a test of just how normal you are. It's yeah. just how, how normal you can come across, right? Because you're doing an, an unnormal thing by society standards, but it's a test of normality. And I think I agree in, in the sense that if you are if you are on a spectrum, you just you, people can just gut instinct, subcommunication, especially women, that something's slightly off. You can really work on it, but it's going to take time, and you've got to, as you, as you said, make adjust your expectations. Yeah, this is going to sound a bit fucking odd, right? But the best solution, if you're white and autistic, is pick up Asians. Like by like Thai, Thai, Vietnamese, Thai, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, because that whole part of the world is like borderline autistic anyway. So, right. like, they don't notice. It's not as weird to them as it is to like Europeans or Latinos. And also, you know, you got a little bit of that whole white man god mode working in your favor. So, I mean, it's no surprise in Japan. I mean, I lived in Japan four and a half years. It's no surprise that the primary foreign relationship you see there is a dorky, spurgy white guy with a bit of a daft, mediocre Japanese girl. I mean, so I mean, I was one of them for fuck's sake, right? I was one of these guys, right? Like when I was there pre-game, and um, and the reason 
reason is, is like Japan. So like, I mean, I love Japan. It's like probably my third, fourth favorite country. I love the thing. I speak the language. I play the games. I love the place. But there's no getting around it. They're fucking a bit spurgy. They're a bit spurgy, like as a nation. And you also dazzle them with your like foreignness, which means you know there's a lot of fucking girls in Japan who are just in the market for white guys. And right. They just spot awkwardness, and it's the same with ties. Same with ties, you know. They, they just don't spot it, or they don't care. Um, did you say you spoke Japanese? Did I pick? Did I get that right? Uh, I'm going to be a bit bad at it now. Nihongo ga yoku shabimasu yo. It's been a long time though, and I, yeah, I mean, it's it's no good to me now, so I don't bother practicing it. But yeah, like I was there for a long time, and I, I had a Japanese wife, so I thought. Japanese language is going to be a useful thing in the future. But, just, uh, just, I guess flipping back to that, right? So the reason I got into this was, you know, usually people change in life and, and the driver for that is not to be better, it's to avoid pain um, and, and yeah, just, just emotional pain, frustration. That usually drives people to do something, right? So no. girl cheated on me, that drove me into this because I, I was like, fuck, I never want to feel this helpless and fucking weak and, and fragile no. again. You obviously came out of a, a marriage. What I mean, your books are incredibly analytical, and you go into ridiculous detail. What was the kind of, the, I guess, the Nietzsche-esque, like why, you know, why, why? What was the strong driver? Because with 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 a good why, right, you can overcome any anyhow. How did you kind of, why did you want to go into such great detail with that? Or was it was it just kind of a journey to self-actualization? It became addictive because you started taking the action. It was like, right, fuck it, this is what it's all about. Or was it just, how did it kind of compute in your brain that whole journey? Were the moments you wait where you're way up to, you have an existential crisis where you're like, like, well, why am I writing so much, so many books on that? Was it always about giving people value? Was it more about just tracking your own journey and holding yourself accountable? What was the kind of reason, reason bets were behind all that? Yeah, well, I'd say a mix of it. So, I mean, obviously the reason to get into the game was similar to what you said. It was like, you know, my wife left me. I was single. I had no idea how to get a girlfriend I wanted. And, you know, I gradually realized that I was shit with girls. So, right. you know, then thing came along where, oh, yeah, like being good with girls is a skill. So, like, fuck it, you know, I've learned skills before, I can learn this. So, that was the motivation to get into it. But in terms of the detail and the writing, I think what it is is I have, I have an obsessive personality. What happens is, you know, I focus on one thing and I just go fucking all in. Falls deep, as my first memos. I just go all in, right? Like, there's uh, the plug. There's the plug. <laughs> you said I've doing, it. I've been doing gym all in. Before you know, before that I was doing a uh, writing all in. Before that it was Euro John lifestyle. Before that I was learning game. Before that it was kickboxing. Before that it was like finance. You know, I'm just I'm just got a fucking obsessive one track mind. Um, and I think a lot of good day gamers have that. You know, I mean it's a blessing and a curse, but a lot of them have it. Um, also, I'm ridiculously competitive to the point that it can make me you know quite the cunt. So, you know, I wanted to be better than everybody else. You know, whether I could remain to be seen, but I was going to fucking try. You know, I was going to try. And it wasn't just about getting good. It was about beating everybody else as well. Um, and then the detail, I, I just have that. I mean, I'm, I'm an INTJ, if you use the Myers-Briggs personality model, which means, you know, I'm always trying to build and improve my mental map. You know, I'm, I'm never prepared to wing something intellectually. I always want to like get down to the root of it, break, you know, I want to pull the watch apart, figure out every piece of it and put it back together. That's the sort of stuff that pleases me. And that washes over in my academia, 
in my video, the type of video gaming I do, the way I read books, the way I, you know, I just wanted to build this fucking system for my right. own gratification. Like it wasn't until I released the game Mastery at the beginning of 2014 that I thought, oh, I could make some money out of this. Right. You know, it was like the original plan, like Digging Master is by far my most successful product. And, you know, it's fucking, that, if anything's going to be on my, the epitaph on my fucking gravestone, it'll be Hero Digging Mastery, right? But my original plan was to, was not to release the book. I was going to print 10 copies and give them to my friends. You know, it was like this little secret black book of day game. That was my original plan. I had to be convinced that, you know, my pals had to say, like, don't be fucking stupid. Like, yeah, release this. You can make some money off it, right? Sure. So it was never about the money or the vanity. And, you know, it still isn't, right? Like, uh, I still don't really monetize like I should. I mean, you can say the memoirs about the vanity, but I wrote those for myself. I, like, the whole time I was writing the memoirs, I just visualized how they look on my bookshelf. I thought, you know, I've got on this 10-year journey. It's the most impressive thing I've ever done. You know, it's my biggest challenge, my most satisfaction. I've got some fantastic memories. I, 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 want, it, I want it there, you know, so that when I'm eight year old, you know, I've got a me bag. I can't get out my fucking chair. I can still read the books and say, hey, you, you were a fucking player once, you know? That's why I did that. So, you know, the detail was to please myself. Right. And, and uh, you know, did you go through a similar transition? For me, it was the first two years. I just wanted to bang anything hot that moved, no emotional connection to validate that I could do that. Um, what, how, how's been kind of the, the transition with, with doing that, you know, in terms of were there any particular points where you're like, right, fuck, I kind of want to stop being just banging girls every day. It's more about finding some cool girls, spinning plates, having that emotional connection, or has it always been a flux as you've kind of gone on? You want what you don't have. No, I've always um, had, you know, different competing threads, uh, passions within me. So, Right from the beginning, I would try to get regular girlfriends. I mean, never one. I didn't want to be exclusive, you know. So, right. like, right from the beginning, as soon as I could start getting laid from game, you know, it took me about nine months until things started to click and I started to get results. But right from the beginning, I, you know, if I liked a girl, I wanted to keep her around. You know, I wanted to have a rotation of whatever it would be, like, you know, three, four women, and then see them, you know, once a week. Follow them on Facebook if they're out the country, you know, and keep some right from the beginning. I was never the kind of, you know, one and done, get the notch, move on. Right. Like, okay. I like the girl. If I like the girl, so, you know, I'd, I've had whatever, it depends how tightly you fucking call emotional connection, but, you know, I've had a lot of girls that um, I really cared about and had a great connection. And I would see, you know, on and off for like two years, three years, or some it's been like four years. You know, there's a girl I was just talking to, um, Yesterday, she's living in Spain now. I was dating her 10 years ago. We still talk. I mean, she's married. She's got you know, two kids now. You know, but we built a very strong emotional connection 10 years ago. We were dating for two years. We stayed in touch. You know, I care about what happens in her life. So, you know, there's a, there's, you know, a bunch of girls like that. There's others where, you know, they obviously decided I was wrong for them and, like, they cut me out of their life. But, you know, I've, I've never been one to, you know, just frivolously throw girls away if I like them. Right, that's interesting. It was also girls where I just want to shag them and move on and have the adventure, right? There's always girls like that. Yeah, you mentioned about kind of like caring about, you know, what happens in this girl's life 10 years old. It's interesting because you I definitely, before I met you in person and we had a few beers, there's this image of you being a bit of a cunt, like, but not, you're actually <laughs> quite a nice guy. But you, for some reason, the way you write, I don't know whether it's a personal thing, but the way the, the blog's written it, everyone's like, oh, fucking hell. 
this guy yeah. is going to fucking rip my head off or he's going to punch me. You know, that you give out that kind of vibe. I don't know where that's just yeah, random. That a lot of people said that to me when they met me. They're like, oh, yeah, like, we're surprised at how nice you are. I mean, that was my own fault, I think. That's just my writing style, you know? Yeah. Also, so. Early on, my blog was a bit more... Because, you know, I, have, I mean, I always believed game was... From the very beginning, I thought game was about identity change, right? It was about becoming a better person. It wasn't... I mean, part of that was becoming a more sexually attractive person. But it's also about trying to become a better person. I always believe in the self-improvement angle. So, you know, when I started my blog, I was a bit of a cunt. You know, I had this kind of like gestalt moment in 2012 where I was like, hang on, you, you, you're, you're a bit of a fucking fat. You need to sort this out. So, you know. Well, well, kind, of, well kind of in what sense, Nick? You, you mean just such a fuck, not give a fuck about what happens to the girl or just, what, carrying a bit of anger, resentment? What, what do you mean by that? Like, well, what, what? You mean, there was anger and resentment from, you know, my divorce. Um, and you know, the way I thought the world was going, my country was going, some of that. Um, some of it was just a, you know, you have the um, big five psychological model ocean, right? Openness for experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeability, neuroticism, right? Like, I'm extremely disagreeable by nature. I get it from my mother, she's like outrageously disagreeable, you know, like, you know, I'm just not particularly easy to get along with, and that would come out. When I was doing pickup, you know, I'd very happily get into fucking online arguments with other pickup coaches or with my own commenters. I'd, you know, I was excessively um, self-centered. So, you know, like for a certain amount of time, I would just treat girls as a prop in my journey, you know, my player's journey of me becoming awesome. And these girls were just fucking props. And when they were no longer useful, you just cast them aside, right? So, I mean, I try not to do that anymore, but I think it's a very common player thing, especially in day game, you know, I think, you know, there's probably not a community in the world as ridiculously self-centered as day gamers. And uh, I'm as guilty as anybody else of that. So, but for me, self-improvement, so I try to fix it. You know, because I didn't like being that person. I didn't want, I didn't want to be a prick. Yeah, I think there's that element of you almost become, not sociopathic, but you you develop this kind of cold emotional armor. I I found it, and and women were often saying to me, you're quite, you're charming, but you're quite cold. It's like you, a bit of you dies inside, right? When you do this long enough and you're just kind of traveling around and you have this cool experience, but then you leave the girl and never speak to her again. Um, were there any particular kind of guys always love this stuff? They love the failure stories, but were there any, yeah, did you ever have any epic failure stories where you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, you're still thinking about that. It's just the gods conspired against you. And it's like this absolute Victoria's Secret model, or just some, some vibe where it's like, oh, fuck. Why yeah. did that one slip away? Yeah, I mean, especially my first year, because my first year was just non-stop failure stories, right? I was always snatching defeats on the jaws of victory, you know? Um, I, I mean, I remember one time, um, very early on, you know, about a year in, so I was walking down South Bank, really nice weather, busy, right. you know, people around, little buskers playing and that, and this fucking absolutely stunning Russian girl walked towards me. Um, you know, I was like, you know, if you... The fucking readers just fucking visualize it, you know, hot, leggy Russian, right? Whatever image comes to mind, yeah, that's what she looked like. And, uh, you know, she's wearing a little fucking orange hot pants and, you know, low cut vest, fucking sunglasses, you know, like literally everyone's getting out of her way. She's so hot, like people are getting out of her way. She's that intimidating. So I thought, right, I'm going to do that set, obviously. Right? I mean, obviously, I didn't think I was going to fuck her, but, but I'd lost my voice, right? I'd lost my voice earlier that day. So I'm like, ah, oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too many cigars, too much red wine. 
and God knows why, but like she fucking liked it, so she stopped with fucking talk. And, and I'm doing like accidental alcohol. really choose my words carefully because I know I've only got so many sentences in me before it goes completely. So I'm being like really fucking pausing and short sentences. So, you know, accidentally being a bit fucking cool. So I, I walk her off, we'll have an ice cream. Then we walk up over the embankment and uh, around Trafalgar Square. I take her to the Sherlock Holmes pub at the bottom of Trafalgar Square and we'll have a drink. And I'm like, right, i got to fucking kiss this bird. I think this is on. And I'm about to go and kiss her, and I think it was on. And uh, and then this fucking pile of fucking wops comes in, like tourists. There were seven Italians waving arms and spinning around in the beer garden. And the moment's just crushed, right? Then I think, right, let's wait till they fuck off. I'll try again. So they fuck off. It's like an hour later. I can barely talk. I go for it again. Some small fucking wops or Greeks or something come in. Oh, for fuck's sake. So then we're like, I think, I'm just going to try and get her home. So I'm saying, you know, like, look, um, let's go to Kennington Park, which is like, what is it? Oh, it's a nice park nearby, right? And I live in Kennington. So we come out of Kennington. I start walking up towards my house. She's like, where are we going? I was like, to my house. She's like, okay. So I'm just about to walk her in. And um, then a fucking phone goes. Now, the thing about my house there was like a really old Victorian block, which did not get mobile phone signal inside. Well, I actually right. have a TV aerial on the, you know, this like portable plug an area like on the windowsill to catch TV reception because if the area was just in the room I wouldn't catch it. Right. So, you know, really fucking bunker walls. So yeah, like just as she's about to come in the door for me, if, she, if it had been like five seconds later, she could not have received the call. And it was our fucking boyfriend. No. But so, uh, so she was from Norwich. So I was like, oh, fuck my life, right? And then she was like, no, I can't come in. It's my boyfriend. And then I had to fucking take her back to the station. That's the end of that. So, yeah, that one hurt because she was by far the hottest girl I've got anywhere with at that point in my life, you know? And even now, even now, if I'd shagged a bird like that, I'd be fucking shirt over my head, running around my room like Ravinelli, you know? It's like fucking... Oh, the, on the flip side of that, I guess on the flip side of that, have you ever had the, the opposite where you snatched victory from the jaws of the feet? And in hindsight, like, how the fuck did I get away with that one? Like, everything was conspiring oh, yeah, against yeah. me. Any, anyone that stands out? Especially, please, when it's the last day of your holiday, right? Like, you got the flight the next morning, and you you finally banged the girl, like, the very last night after death. There are a few things as fucking pleasing as that. Um, an example of that, yeah, I remember there was this really nice girl in uh, Kiev. It was my second trip to Kiev. I'd had first date with her. She really liked me. She worked at, like, the Louis Vuitton store. You know, it's like, um, so yeah, she was like face controlled to work at that sort of store. She was, she was a nice girl. Right. And um, really slim and all that. And, uh, definitely one of my better ones. And um, I got her on the first date. She obviously liked me, but she, you know, she didn't like the player vibe. And um, so, yeah, like on the first date, I, I like go to kiss her. And she's like, no. You know, it's like, you know, I don't want to. And I was like, yeah, I was, at this point, this was like 2015 where I just didn't give a fuck. I was always open, right? So I was a bit fucking, the girl short shrift. So I, was, so I, so I said, well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try again. She's like, no, no. I was like, you realize this is a date? She's like, well, it's not, you know, I just like to meet people. So, so I said, well, I was like, look, I'm going to ask you a question. Be very fucking, think carefully before you answer because it's important on what happens next. And I was like, you know, like, uh, are you sexually attracted to me? She fucking looks because she wants to just like test my friends and finally she realized I'm gonna like walk out if she continues playing silly buggers. So she's like, Yes, I do. I was like, Right, I expect to kiss you before the end of the state. She's like, Okay, but not here. 
And then, you know, I walk out for a shattic, we'll go up some steps and I'll make out with her and that. Next date, um, she's fucking around with me again, you know, wants to go to a pizza restaurant and then she's being a bit fucking arsey, so I just stopped on the road. I'm just quiet for 20 minutes, I don't say a word. And then uh, I'm about so to you just you, you sat on the date and just didn't say a word for 20 minutes? Yeah, I mean, we started okay. Like, the first half hour is fine. Now I just thought you were being silly buggers. Like... I mean, this is not like a general habit of mine. It was not like a tactic. It was just, you know, a core feeling. I was like, fuck this bitch. I'm going to leave. And I was like, right. I had a dialogue in my brain. I was like, look, Nick, come on. I think you're jumping the gun here. It's, it's all right. She doesn't necessarily expect to go at the same speed you go. Maybe she's trying to get a bit of comfort. out. So I had to fucking force myself to, like, stay in the pizza box place, right, instead of just putting my share of the bill in and, like, walk out. And... Um, in gen, then she starts getting fucking rude, like, oh, you know, talking to me. She's like, no, I'm not in your mood. And, and, and then I was like, fuck, I'm turning to Steve Jabber. This is what his dates are like, right? And, um, and then finally, you know, I make out with that bet. And then she goes out to meet her friends. And then later that night, when she's drunk, she's all oh, come with me. I was like, yeah. And then um, we meet, go straight to my house, and I fuck out. And it's literally the last night, like, it was like early the next morning. Extra time. And I was like, fucking come on. And, but yeah, like this is not a story of like, look at me, wasn't I good on the date? Like, I nearly blew the date. Like, I was getting like too emotionally involved to the negative of getting pissed off thinking this girl was like fucking around with me that I was like on it. But it turned out to be the right thing for this particular girl, you know? Solid. Um, Sun Robert says, Did I see you coaching on Nesmi Hilo yesterday? Uh, you probably did. I, I saw, I thought it was him. I saw him like wandering around. Uh, I don't know if you saw me coaching. You might have saw me with Jimmy, but I, I did do the last day of my resi yesterday, so maybe you can see me coaching. Yeah. Have you met? Have you met? Have you met Robert before? No, I mean I only I only recognise his face because I'd seen him on your podcast. Hey, he's a good um, lad. You should, you should you should you should you should go for a beer with him. He's a decent lad. I think. Oh, I'm I'm sure he's um, what else we got here? There was a question. This was a good one from Raj, and it's and it's interesting because this is kind of. From our, you know, sporadic conversations, kind of what you, you mentioned was your plan, but has have things changed? Is yeah, how does one go about kind of getting out of all this stuff? Right, you live this player lifestyle; it's very addictive. Serotonin rushes, traveling, all this stuff. Yeah. At what point? At what point do you have that kind of? I guess you know, feel free to answer from a personal perspective. But yeah, how do how do I? I get this question from older guys, 38, 39, 40, and they are looking to kind of transition out, but they're like, how the fuck do I do it? Is there a way of doing it? I don't know. How would you um... well, finish doing it? I mean, it's in process for me, right? It's like I got my little plan. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue doing day game, but you know, I'm gonna be very choosy with my sets, right? It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not looking to just fucking shag some like 18 year old scally in the same day later, right? That means nothing to me now. I mean, it's fucking great fun when I was doing that kind of thing, but it doesn't take me closer to my goals now. You know, so you actually, if a, if a nice smoking or eighteen year old was lying naked on your bed, you go, no, you don't fit into the Krauser gold box. I'm not going to. Well, look, it made it easy, I'd fuck her, but you know, I'm I'm not going to, you know, you know, two girls walking down the street, one fits the criteria for a wife, one's like a hot young lass who'd be good to shag, you know, and I got to choose which one to open. It's, it's is it based on that. is it based on age though? If you're looking at it primarily from the position of you haven't actually opened it, is it an age range you're going for? Or yeah, because yeah, I've given this a lot of thought. You know what I want, and uh, you know, basically below twenty two is just too young. You're just right for trouble. You're just asking for trouble, right? They haven't really lived. They haven't really had fun. You don't really know what they're like. Um, and then you know, I think older than twenty seven, you get different problems, right? Is you know they lose, you know. You, 
you know, a 22 year old girl, a 27 year old girl, right? The 22 year old girl's got like 10 years of being hot left. The 27 year old's got five years, right? That makes a difference. And then, of course, you know, as girls get towards 30 and they're single, they're usually a fucking lunatic, right? Like they're either single because no man will have them because they're crazy, or, you know, the nice girls who become crazy by getting all bitter and frustrated that, you know, they might be left, you know, and they get set in their ways. You know, that is, you get older, they get set in your ways. So I think 22 to 26 is the sweet spot. I mean, if I meet a really nice 27, 28 year old again, really well with, okay, I'm not going to like rule her out. If it works, it works. But when I'm looking for girls, I'm looking for, you know, 22 to 26, ideally. Right. And then obviously looking for, you know, physically my type, you know, like the type that I like to date, not just the type I like to fuck. Because, you know, obviously like a little lass with big tits and, you know, a fucking couple of tattoos. I don't give a, it's, it's okay to fuck them, but I don't want my wife to look like that. You know, I don't right. want my kids to look like this fucking tall, right? And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm looking for like more like the Audrey types, right? Like, right. You know, and I've dated, you know, I just think of like the girls that I got on best with while I was a player, you know, that I had the longest relationships with the best relationship. I, I, you know, I know what I like. I know what sort of girls I get on with. So I'm just looking for, you know, one of them. You know, she doesn't even have to be a stunner. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with marrying a seven if she's going to be a great mother and a great wife. You know, it's not like you have to try and marry the hottest girl you've ever got. Yeah, you know, I think that's a bit of a fool's errand. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan of what I want. So, I mean, I'm going to use day game to get it, but I've worked very hard to become less of a player. You know, because I remember like 2015, 2016, you know, girls just knew I was a player. They just fucking knew. And it was great when I just wanted to run around fucking birds. It was great. They don't expect anything else. So, right. you have all the drama, you're way more likely to get fast sex way more likely to get the fun stuff because they just know, you know, you're the, you're the fuck boy, you're the fucking bad boy, you're the player. But what really turned me was about 2017. Right. Really the turn. I was in Moscow and I was getting some proper fucking Audrey's out on dates. You know, like real, you know, the sort of girls where, you know, if you saw a fucking Hollywood star with her, you'd think, oh yeah, that's normal. Yeah, that's the right sort of girl you'd expect them to date. And they'd come out really keen. And then as they got to know me, they'd realize, hang on, this guy's just a fucking player. He's no use to me. You know, like, that's not what I want. I want a boyfriend. You know, I want someone who has, like, long-term potential. So I was losing really fucking good girls on dates by being a player. So I thought, shit, like, if I want to get these sorts of girls and I want to get out, I've got to stop being a player. So that's when, you know, it was around about the time I first met you and, you know, I'd gone through this little, I was going through this little process where I thought, right, how can I be less of a player? How can I raise my value? How can I be more like the cool potential husband rather than the cool player? Because obviously I didn't want to become a chore again, right? It's not like I'm going to suddenly you know, earn money and start paying for girls and buying them dinner and, you know, the provide. I don't want to be provider. Right. So what, what can I do? I thought first thing I do is I've got to get off this like choice addiction, you know, like what you were saying about, you know, serotonin and the fucking... The chemicals, because you can, you know, you always know you can go out and get some action, right? You, you got to wean yourself off that, because obviously, you know, I'm not going to be cheating on my wife. So, right? how do you, Nick? Just to interrupt, how do you do that? Is that you replace that those things with other dopamine fixes? Because I know you will talk about this as well. But now you're kind of quite into your fitness, eating healthfully, anti-aging stuff. So, is that kind of you replace those dopamine hits with other dopamine? No, hits? like I've, I've weaned myself off dopamine. It's not that I've like replaced them. I've just weaned myself off. 
So round in slippers, shuffling round in slippers, one mile an hour, going around the office, not not looking at anyone. I blindfold on, but Silicon Valley style, or a bit more, bit more no, level-headed. No, no. Uh, the way I thought about it, I mean, there's a good book on this, Seven Habits of a Happy Brain or something. Right, we'll link, we'll link that below. We'll link that below. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, but we'll like, uh, anyway, Habits of a Happy Brain or something. Some third wrote it. It talks about the like the pleasure chemicals of the brain, right? Dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphin. And um, so I read that, and I was thinking, right, yeah, you can control your brain chemistry. So you think like the big problem with day game and being a player is you're basically a junkie. You're just like a junkie on girls, right? Hence my fifth volume was called Girl Junkie, right? That's the name of my mem- one of my memoirs. It's like, you know, you, you know better than a fucking crack addict. It's just the things you're getting. Obviously, you know, it requires a much higher level of skill to get a girl than it does to score crack. But right. what you're basically doing is you, you're just feeding your dopamine, the excitement of bumble girl, the excitement of fucking her. You're feeding your serotonin, which is like the monkey status bit. Of like, look at me, I'm the player. Like, I'm above these guys. I'm above where I was. I'm achieving things. Right? I'm cool. Right? And the social status. Especially if you're online and you have, like, you know, flunkies saying you're so cool. Right? Um, then there's the oxytocin, which is, you know, the hugging closeness chemical. Because you are right. building connections. Right? So again, there's a connection system. And, you know, these girls do fall for you. And it's really nice to have girls fall for you. And, you know, be pawing at your face and wanting to make you a cup of tea and asking how you are. That is really pleasant. So, and then endorphins don't really come into it so much because that's more like anesthesia for pain. But, you know, those three chemicals is what we've basically figured out is we're like those rats in the experiment that learned to tap the lever to get the food. Right. right? So you get compulsive behavior. So I think everyone in day game has a tendency to become, to show addictive behaviors, like junkie-like behaviors when you're chasing these three chemicals. So when you, because you've got a system, right? If you want more of these three chemicals, just go out and do day game. Just go and hit it, right? We know how to do it. It doesn't have to come to you. You don't have to wait. Right? You go and do it. And then if you add in the novelty of going to a new city or a new country or you move an apartment, and then you have all these different guys you meet, so you have, like, new things. And that, I mean, I'm sure you felt it, right? It can fucking spin your head. And before long, you know, you've lost your attention span. And it's really hard to focus on your work or to focus on this, that, and the other. Certainly I had this problem. I mean, I don't speak for you, but I had that problem. So I realized I had no attention span and I had junky addictive behaviors. So what I thought was I got to break it. So I got a detox. So I did a, basically a dopamine detox, right? There's videos on YouTube how to do that, but I basically did one of them. So for example, I've been like no fat for a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Uh, no break at all. And the only times I've ever masturbated has been when there's a girl right there to catch it, um, which I think doesn't count, right? That's not cheating. Um, I, uh, I started reading because I realized that I'd lost the ability to sit in a chair and read because, you know, my eyes would always come up and I'd be looking around and I'd, I'd get antsy. I'd, I'd be like jonesing for a bit of action, whatever the action is, right? So I trained myself. Now I can easily just sit in a chair with a cup of coffee and read a book for eight hours. Not a problem. You know, right. I've, got my, I've got my attention span back again. Um, I mean, maybe that's not a problem for you because you, you've been pretty active on your channel, right? That takes work, right? So maybe you've still got your attention span bad and that mine. You know, like my fucking channel went like this. I just couldn't be asked to do anything. It's not just that. I think WhatsApp, you know, they've done studies on rats, right, where they mimic WhatsApp use, where they'll shine a laser pen, and it, they, they see this irreparable wreckage of the brain and, and attention spans, and I have that because I do everything off WhatsApp, right? So 300 yeah. times a day I'm picking up. I get these ghost buzzes in my pocket. It breaks your attention span. 
It's a real issue. Smartphones are going to be a fucking class A drug in about 10 years. They're going to oh, wreck people's brains. It was like WhatsApp groups as well. So you've got That's to kind of look, notice all this shit, right? And I guess you got all the people fucking asking you stuff. Because, you know, I'm a little bit of a day game hermit, right? It's like, this is what, the first podcast I've done in like two years? Something like that. I'm, I'm like a day game hermit, but like you're a lot more out there. So you've got all these fucking people. So right. James, this, James, that, James, this. Do you want to do this, James? How do I do this, James, right? So I guess that's going to, yeah, it has a cost, right? And, uh, but yeah, attention span, that was one for me. Because, you know, girls notice this shit, like a high value woman who's, who's, you know, in the husband market, you know, she's not, she doesn't fucking think kindly of a guy who's like fucking looking around, jonesing for action, right? And you can't hide the degeneracy, right? It's like, when you start struggling a lot, <laughs> what a quote, what a quote. You can't hide the degeneracy. Like it's sort of like on tour with fucking Guns and Roses. I love it. Yeah, but so uh, so yeah, I just had to undo all this. And of course, my body had gone to shit. Uh, I'm see if I can flex. I got a little bit now. Like I got a little bit, but yeah, it used to be really shit. So, um, but you know, for my age, I'm all right. I'm taking the gym seriously because yeah, I just I just got this fucking huge fat belly. Right? I had a little fucking pasty arms covered in flab. And I remember I watched this video. This was like three years ago. I was shagging this bird in the uh, Ukrainian bird in Poland that I had like on and off for a few years. And right. My videoing her. So yeah, I set a fucking camera up and I start shagging her. And then I watched the video back and I can't believe how ugly I looked. You know, I'm, I looked like a fucking beach whale. And I was, I just, I thought, well, I feel sorry for women. I'm, you know, thank God looks don't matter too much. But I thought I've, I've got to do something about this fucking body. I was like, I think I was about 85 kilograms and I'm like five foot ten. And that wasn't 85 kilograms like Mike Tyson, you know, it was like, it was more like fucking, I don't know, like fucking the fat one of um, like Oliver Hardy, you know, it's more like Oliver Hardy. So yeah. What's, the, what's it look like? I mean, what's your, you've been, you've been, you've been blogging a bit about your diet and stuff. You, you've got a trainer and it's kind of like, are you on a particular um, kind of calorie plan or is it more just eat healthily, paleo stuff? What's that? What's it look like? Uh, I'm, I'm a bit self-conscious seeing myself in the video now that I just finished a bulk, so I know half of your viewers. I think the, the guy doesn't look like he works out. I've just finished a bulk, lads. I've put on seven kilograms in six weeks. A lot of it's fat. I get that, man. Just wait till I'm ripped off. When I'm ripped, I'll ask if I can be back on your show, right? So I can fucking get the shirt without embarrassing. Well, it, reminds, it reminds me of when we first met, and you, you've been giving it the big one about the, the, the dart, and I walked through, I was like, What's you're drinking a pint and drinking spaghetti carbonara? So, what the fuck? And you're like, No, nah, I'm starting tomorrow. I'm starting tomorrow. I was like, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you, yeah, I don't know what it was, but yeah, so you, you go in phases of bulking and cutting. Is that basically not much? No, what happens actually? Look, so what happened is I, uh, I'm a bit of an autodidact, right? In I think that's the right word, but I like to teach myself stuff, right? I'm not very good at taking instruction, maybe it's my ego, I don't know, but I'm not very good at taking instruction, like, I only ever took like Three, oh no, I only ever took two one on one sessions in day game as a client, and I right. only ever did two boot camps as a client, right? So it's a grand total of about like six days I've been coached, right? In day game, right. everything else figured out myself. And, um, but what I realized is because uh, I've been doing some resi coaching and um, 2018, and then I finally decided to get you know back into shape middle of 2018. So I just thought, like, um, Let's take it seriously. So at the time, I, I had a friend who was a bodybuilder who gave me advice. That worked for a certain amount of time. And I thought, you know, I'm still, you know, not optimal here. You know, I don't have anyone in my gym training me. Right. Um, so I thought, right, I've got to do something about this. So I got a PT. 
I thought, you know, if you want to learn a skill, get someone. Like my heuristic is if you want something in life, find someone who's got it and then ask them how they got it. That's essentially my heuristic, right? So there was a gym here in Belgrade um, where one of the guys, he was a former men's physique competitor. You know, right. he won medals on that in it, right? He looked fucking like Superman, you know? And uh, yeah, he could put all these like Hollywood body transformations to shame, you know? He looked fucking incredible. But like, you know, aesthetically, not, you know, he wasn't like a, a Mr. Olympia type, right? I'm not interested in that. So I thought, well, the body I would like, you know, would be as close as you can get to the Hollywood perfect. You know, when like the, the hot guy in Hollywood is hot, like Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love, right? Brad Pitt in his movies, Fight right? Club, yeah. So I, just, I want to get as close as I can to that. You know, my age, my genetics, doing it naturally, you can only go so far, but you know, that direction. So this guy basically had that, had that top level. So I was like, right, do you do coaching? He's like, actually, I do. Turned out it wasn't very expensive. So I thought, right, I'm just going to do every single session with a personal trainer. You know, arbitrage and the fact that Serbia is a broadcast country. So you can get really high quality instruction relatively cheap. So, uh, yeah, I've been with this guy nearly two years. Right. And when I'm in Serbia, four times a week, every single time with him. And uh, obviously, when I'm traveling, he has to give me a plan I have to do myself. And um, yeah, it's gone really good. You know, from from seventy kilograms to eighty-two. If I lean lean down, I'm probably seventy-nine. And uh, so yeah, it's been good on my frame at my age. I'm very happy with it. You know, getting the structure. So so that was good because all I had to think about. Like I went into that training thinking, right, I'm the client now. Think back to my day game coaching of what were my best clients, right? Which of my clients were the most fun to teach and who made the most improvement? Like what qualities did they have? So I thought, right, I will have those qualities in the gym now that I'm going as the client, you know? So, you know, do what you're fucking told. Don't make excuses. Always give your best. Don't skip classes, you know? If the guy says, can you lift heavier and you think you can, you're like, yes, I can. If you're not sure, you say, I'm not sure, but let's try. You know, like give it your all. So, I've been doing that and I've really enjoyed it. And uh, but then diet, I just I just eat what he tells me to eat, which you know it's just a normal calorie con- macro controlled diet. Being particularly careful to get enough protein and not go you know above your carb targets. You know I'm on carb cycling because apparently that works for me. You know right. so I did it day to day. So tomorrow I'm going to do a carb refill of like 500 grams, whereas most of the time I'm on 200. A day and you know when I do my cut I'll be down to 100 but that hasn't happened yet hence the fucking blubber so there you go. did you th- did you think about using TRT any supplements I or did that? I very much thought about it but I decided against it um, right. the main reason I thought about it is one I was impatient because you know muscle building is a very slow process um, and also I actually underestimated how far you can get natural you know, right. if you get everything right with your sleep, nutrition, and training. So, um, finally, what turned me against it is I thought, actually, I think I can get where I need to be naturally. Because, you know, like a men's idea of perfect physique is, on a man is different with women's. Like a woman's yeah. nose is smaller. Yeah, like, agreed. Absolutely agree. So, I realized, like, what I want to look like, I want to look like, well, I already look like Jason Statham. I want to look more like Jason Statham, right? But, you know, when I was fucking, you know, when he was in, I think, Death Race, he had his best physique. Fucking incredible. And I thought, you know, I can do that with drugs because, you know, I'm a bit taller than them. You know, I'm fucking younger than them. Why can't I do that with drugs and the right training? But then I was thinking, like, that's not what girls want. That's what fucking dudes want. And I'm not planning on shagging dudes. 
So I looked into it more like what women want. I thought actually, what they basically want is a natty limit. They want you on your right. natty limit gene. So I thought, right, I'll just try and do that. And then obviously, I don't have all the um, health complications of TRT because TRT is not fucking good for you unless you're right. already having clinically low T. I mean, I know it's in the manosphere, you're supposed to fucking say, hey, TRT is amazing, but, but I think it's bullshit. It's, um, I mean, my coach has just come off all this stuff a year and a half ago and gone really? happy. He's uh, getting married and wants to start a family, you know? And you say, look, this shit's really not good for you. Admittedly, he was on everything. He was on like Trembolo and Anavar, fucking everything. But he was saying, even testosterone, he was saying, look, don't fucking use it if you don't need it. Because, you know, it fucking thickens your arteries, it crashes your endocrine system, you know, it gives you, know, there's a bit of neurotoxicity. Yeah, there's all sorts of things if you look on, you know, a lot of these YouTube channels, like, you know, Anabolic Doc or More Plates, More Dates, whatever, you find out that it's not free. I mean, it looks awesome. It looks like a miracle drug, but it ain't free. So I thought, you know, if I don't need it, don't do it. You know, I, I did nearly all my player career being a fat, useless cunt, right? <laughs> it's like, so, you know, like, I don't need to look like fucking, you know, a superhero, right? Clearly, you don't need to, right? Yeah. I mean, I want to look better, but, but yeah, you clearly don't need to look like fucking Thor, right? You don't need to. He's he's quite funny. More plates, more dates. I've watched a few of his things. It's just him like speaking really, really fast in like quite quite technical language about testosterone. It's like I can fight fires in my head most of the time. It's quite weirdly quite interesting to watch. We've got a quite a general question here, but this is a good one: Ukraine versus Russia, Mister Krauser. What is your opinion? I'm, I'm assuming yeah, we're going to get a right? Uh, I mean, obviously, Russia are going to win if they go after the Crimea again. Um, no, for girls, obviously. Uh, well, here's something impolitic but um you know like i've heard from russians right that russians think of ukrainians as monkeys right? i've heard that as well they look down on them right they really like them. They're right. Down. They're right i mean ukraine to russia is like wales to england you know like they're just a bit fucking they're a bit funny right they're a bit funny and like and the other thing i want to say is uh I mean, I like Ukrainian girls. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in uh, Kiev and I visited Odessa, you know, dated a couple of really nice Ukrainian girls I liked a lot. Yeah, so obviously I'm not saying like all Ukrainians are monkeys. Obviously not, right? Obviously not. But you really notice the difference when you go from Kiev to Moscow. It's like the quality jumps up, but they're just more classy. You know, mm. they dress better, they talk better, they're better educated, and they don't have that ratty, I wish I was a whole vibe that so many Ukrainian girls have. Like I used to joke that in Ukraine, in Kiev, there's only two types of girls, girls, village virgins and whores. And there's like nothing in between. Like I exaggerate, but you know, if you go down Krishatik, right, loads of semi-pros, loads of whores, loads of girls who are just on the make to get a free cup of coffee. They're not whores, you know, you're not gonna fuck them. But you know, like in, there's no easier place to get an eye date than Krishatik, right? Because there's loads, because I mean, Ukraine, I mean, the country collapsed in about 2014. Right, you had that George Soros coup, you had Russia spanked it in the Crimea, you had total economic collapse, and then the ex-president stole all their money and moved it off to Panama. So, you know, like Ukraine is a like failed state, whereas Moscow isn't, like Russia isn't. So I first went to Ukraine one year after that happened. Really? You hadn't been before then. No, and you but you can see the nihilism in Kiev. Like um, you know, and it's really funny is it's the girls who are like under 20 at least it was a few years ago right it's like the girls who came of age before the shit happened they're kind of normal they look kind of like russian girls 
But the ones who were like still teenagers then, that fucking neck tattoos up here, that fucking metal shit all over, you know? And they're dressed like fucking, you know, they're, they're like Soros kids, right? It's like Warsaw now, right? It's just full of Soros kids. Right. And, um, but it's funny, it's the youngest ones because they came of age during this fucking total nihilistic collapse of their country and they all want to leave. And it's just weird as fuck. So, so you get all this weird stuff. And then obviously Ukraine is like, always been the mail order bride place it's always been the, you know i remember when i was a teenager it was known for mail order brides so what you get in this fish in uh, kiev is americans fucking love it because you know sorry american viewers but most of them are deluded right most of them are totally fucking deluded so what they do is they go to kiev they go on Gershatik, they go down to arena city they seem oblivious to the fact that these women are on the make they get like pulled out on all these dates by these women, you know, they have to buy them food and whatever. And then, you know, they maybe get a kiss, maybe feel the tits. And then always on, on the way home, they're like, oh, if I just had one more date, I would have fucked her. And you're like, no, mate, it was never on. It was never on. You just got played. And like Kiev is full of those women. Odessa's even worse. And they're a minority of women, right? Most most Ukrainian women are lovely, but there's so many of these women and they make a fucking beeline for foreigners around Krishatik means you're going to meet a lot of them. So, you know, like, I think you get so much fool's gold, like false positives in Kiev. And you just don't get that in Moscow at all. Like, at all. I never experienced it. Did you Did you spend any time in St. Petersburg? Yeah, I hated it. I think it's absolute dog shit for the same Really? Way. Interesting. Well, I like this, like, within all my pals, there's, like, it's a fucking Ferrari Lamborghini type hot topic, this one, you know, like, which is better? It's like half my friends think St. Petersburg is better than Moscow, but I'm on the other side of that. I think Moscow is better. I think Moscow has a lot of women. I think St. Petersburg was good for a, a drunken night out with these massive canisters of laughing gas in the corner where you just get absolutely tanked. They've got a massive bar area. But um, sure, yeah. it's like much better because St. Petersburg is way cheaper and it's got loads of bars just stop. That's it. Just crammed cram together almost like a warehouse of different yeah. bars, different levels. And that yeah. shit was fun. Really fun. But the quality is a lot lower. Is it Novi Prospect? Is that the main street? What's the main street called? It's really I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I went to White Nights a few years ago. I can't remember. Can't know. You know there's that one massive long street which goes yeah. all the way to the floor, right? That's always rammed for day games. And then it's got that Galleria Mall at the end of it. So St. Petersburg's fantastic for volume. Like you can just go up and down that street and then around the mall and up and down the street and just spend your whole time doing that. And there's going to be loads of fucking girls. And it's always busy. It's like Oxford Street without all the fucking trash, right? But um, but I just don't like the girls. But like I've never seen so many facial tattoos on teenage girls. In, you know, in like, St. Petersburg, oh, really? Like and they're oh. all hipsters. Horrible. They're all, Horrible. There's a lot of hipsters. Ian, if you were starting out, Nick, and could live anywhere for a year or so to focus on day game, would you still choose London for volume or another city? No, not London. I mean, it's only called London Day Game Model is because it developed in London, not because London's the best place. Nevy Prospect, there you go. Thanks, James. Um, now, I would go, I mean, obviously, it depends on what girls you like. If you like European girls, I'd start in Prague. There was a time when Warsaw would have been good, but it's kind of played out now and it's all Soros kids. So I, I thought I thought that about Prague. I thought that was a safe pair of hands until every fucking stag doing his, his dog started going there and trashing it. And so you have to pretend not to be English when you're there. Yeah, but they do a game. They do a game, right? Those guys do a game. They just get drunk and go to a strip club. So I never had that problem. Uh, I mean, the problem in Prague is just, it's got a lot of like really dorky bad day gamers. But fortunately being foreign, you don't get really tarred with that brush. 
Um, every now and then it gets burned out by, you know, traveling native English speaking day gamers every now and then, but you know, a lot of the time it doesn't. So it's all right. And then, um, I mean, one thing you got to basically do is you got to not be doing the day game carnival, right? You know, like I wrote a blog post on that, but you know, where like everyone does this, like the, the yard flounce, right? You fucking go around and fucking flounce in front of them and I just saw you literally over there and this will sound a bit random, but you know that shit, right? Because then every girl's like, oh, you're one of them, aren't you? Because like Prague, there's been enough of that shit that the girls know it's there. But if you dig in like a fucking normal person where you're not just doing this big theatrical flounce and saying the same thing everybody else does, it's not a problem. They're just saying, oh, some guy hitting on women, that's like totally normal. Not like, oh, it's these day gamer guys doing this day game thing. Isn't that fucking weird? So I think Prague's at Warsaw. It's been a little bit burned out, I think. As I think a so lot. as well. There's a lot of expats living there who are day game expats. Plus, there's a relatively thriving local community. Right. And there's a RSD chapter there, which really fucking hurt. But the other problem is the quality in Warsaw has just gone like, eh. Like, I started going there 2015. I thought it was really good. I went there last year. And you know, there'd be entire days. I don't do a sec. This is not a hot woman. They're all like fucking fat blue hairs with like LGBTQ t-shirts on and shit. It's like, properly, it's like Soros has just been like growing these fucking freaks and soy boys there. It was horrible. Like, I nearly got homicidal. And like, I had to leave. I was there like five days and that was like five days too long. And it was like five years ago. It was an amazing place. So. Okay, so Prague. And, and any other spots actually on that kind of vein that you've been to that you think are underrated or completely overrated? Um, well, Belgrade's good, but it's really fucking hard and it's small. So if you're new, you're just going to get absolutely raped here. You're going to get absolutely fucking raped. If you're like new, it's famously not good for beginners, whereas Prague is. Prague's relatively easy on beginners, as was Warsaw. Um, Kiev's all right for beginners, pretty good quality, but you really... Uh, but yeah, you've, you've really got to fucking know how to spot the difference between a girl on the make and a girl who is actually, you know, could be dated. Like, that's in, that's still you've got to figure in, out. In, in, be in, in, Bel in Belgrade, you're saying? There's no, in, yeah. Belgrade has, like, no sex industry. You know, you have to really... You know, in Prague, it's, like, sleazy as fuck, right? There's, like, strip clubs everywhere, touts. Macedonian hookers always hang out up to that Burger King up by the museum. You know, you walk along at night and, you know, like, Pakistani guys like, hashish, hashish, right? You know, there's like sleaze in Prague, right? Which is great for gutter game. It makes it amazing for gutter game. But it's like a sleazy fucking town, especially when it gets dark. Belgrade has no sleaze. It's like Zagreb has like no Very sleaze. classy, isn't it? Yeah, I like Zagreb as well. I find, I find Belgrade, they're a bit friendly. Did you travel around to like Novosad or any of the other cities in in I went Serbia. to Novosad for like two days, but I thought it was just too small. I thought it was beautiful, but I thought it was too small to really make it a focus right you know like if a guy just wants to like dabble and you know just i guess some guys aren't as obsessive as we might be right they they you know they think the travel is the first thing and the day game is just something you dabble at while you're there whereas for me it was always you go to day game and you know you know you're not going to go to a fucking theater or a museum or fucking shit like that right why would you bother right like wasting day game time but if you're like a normal person who kind of likes day game Novi Sad would be all right. It's a beautiful place. Spend a week there. It's got a lot of bars. It's got like a big sort, you know, tourist bar area. It's got a very obvious main plaza and main strip. Um, you know, the girls are nice. It's just quiet. It's like, you know, like Vilnius, it's quiet, right? Tallinn is quiet. Really nice places, lots to do. Quality is great. 
it's just very, very quiet. So, you know, you've either got to accept you're not going to do a lot of sets or you've got to, you know, be a little bit fucking generous on equality standards. Right. Flipping back just slightly because it's, it's stuff I wanted to cover because there's a lot of guys who are kind of 39. But, um, yeah, for, for you personally, right, going back to that kind of vein of like you are looking, you are screening more for long-term partner. What are the, what the, what the key differences that you put into the actual conversation initially um, and then following on for that, what are the things you're doing differently on a date? In terms, what are you screening for in particular? I mean, this is all going to be personal to you, but it might give some guys some ideas how to filter. All right, well, the first thing is the pre-approach filter. Is, um, so the first thing is how I dress, right? Like, I mean, this T-shirt, by the way, this is the first time I've worn this. I never wear this T-shirt for, for day gaming. But I was day gaming, I had my fucking skulls and my fucking all this sort of shit, right? My cowboy boots. Because, you know, the whole point was like larger than life, bit of a bad boy, bit edgy and that, right? Because that was the signal I wanted to send, right? You had, some, you had some good photos, though. I remember one photo I saw of you. I don't know why I've got it in my head, but you were smoking a cigarette, with a hat on, like leaning on a yeah, leather yeah. jacket. Yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was prime photo, right? It's a fucking sick photo. So if you're trying to produce that kind of image, that's what you want to take and stuff like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted, right? And there's some girl in Prague, she's a Russian girl, uh, she took that photo. She was a photographer. That was a thing. And uh, she was like, "Oh, I want to take some photos here." So I was like, "Yeah, let's." And then she said that. I was like, "Fuck me, that's good." But uh, but yeah, that's no good for what I want now because it's a little bit too bad boy. And obviously, I'm older now, so it's a little bit less congruent. You know, I mean, you, you see yourself at a bar. You know, you see some like 50 year old fucking ex rockers come in that they, they just look a bit fucking sad. You know. Um, so the pre-approach is I dress a lot more fucking, more like a fucking M&S model or Zara model or something, a lot more like that now. But the pre-approach on the girls is, you know, part of it's the age, I said. Also, right. I'm looking for girls who are more mainstream. Because, you know, like a lot of our select pickup can be a little bit like find the rebel, find the outsider. You know, you're looking for signs of the girl that is a bit of a fucking adventurer. Mm. Things like tattoos, things like the fact she's changed yeah, something, like little signs. Yeah, think of all the things that you would normally think of is if you're just trying to have adventure, you think, oh, I'll go for her, that could be low-hanging fruit, right? You want the opposite of that, right? Because, right. you know, like if, you, if a girl will suck you off after 10 minutes, you know you can't let her out of your sight for nine, right? <laughs> so, like, you know, if you want to get married, so, you know, if you want to get married, you want the girl who's really nervous when you escalate now, right? You want a girl who doesn't really know what she's doing in bed with certain things, you know. I, I agree. agree. You low sausage cow. It's, it's low sausage cow, right? You don't want to be marrying exactly. a Finnish bird, as fun as they are. You don't want to be marrying a bird from Helsinki. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah. And um, yeah, I've heard that as well. I mean, that's, I heard that's why Mystery does his bootcamps there. Bex does his bootcamps there, right? Because they're all fucking slags. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm much rather go to a country... <clears throat> Like Serbia, which has you know strong religion, you get like religious parades every other weekend, like walking up Nez, everyone's holding up signs of the Virgin Mary and that, and fucking chanting, right? I want that, right? I want a country where you know players get beaten up, right? I like that. Not when I was a player, but now I like that. Um, you know, I want it where women are a little bit fucking uh, reluctant to go on holiday, like a summer holiday, with their female friends because they're worried about everyone back home will. Just assume they must have shagged some Greek guy at the holiday, right? So they'd, they'd rather not go. Right? Right. I want that sort of thing. I want girls who dress mainstream. You know, I want girls, you know, they don't have slogan t shirts, they don't have a load of badges down there, you know, they don't have all those classic 
horse like signs. I, I want a girl who just, you know, looks like looks like a fucking mango mannequin. Right? Yeah, I want her to have good posture, I want her to have clean skin, yeah, I want her to clearly, you know, have signs of health in her hair. You know, it doesn't put her makeup on with a trowel, all these sorts of things. I right? just so you look at anything, she's balanced, she's from a stable family, and she's not a slag, right? So that's like the pre-approach filter. Right. Um, inset, I'm looking for a girl who, you know, some girls you open them and you just see that fucking glitter in their eye, like they're looking at you, ooh, this could be adventure. Fucking right. hell, you make a bit of adventure, I do. If you get it, that used to be red rag to bull to me, now that's a turn off, I want it the other way around. I want the right. girl looking like, you know, she understands, men are supposed to hit on women. It's her job to receive the pass politely. Right, she gets the thing that pick up. You know, meeting a girl is not a weird thing. She's not a feminist or something. Right, but she's a little bit uncomfortable. She's a little bit worried that maybe a fucking mum and dad walk past while she's talking to you. You know, she's a little bit worried what the neighbours think. I want that because that's what would be a good mother. That would right, be good wife. You know, I want a girl who doesn't curse. Right, you know, like if you say it, or are you adventurous? She's like, mm, not really. I'm a bit boring, I guess. Right. Well, it's it's just the opposite of what you're looking for when you play. Right? And there's no magic, but conversationally, though, do you find yourself that you know now with this with this end goal and not mind reverse engineering that? Are there certain things you're particularly asking, screening for, um, that you find you're doing repeatedly or not really? No, I mean, I mean, you probably find this right because you've been in this one like ten years now. Is you stop thinking here, you just feel here, right? Like it's second nature, it's muscle memory, right? Is like you don't ask yourself in set, is she attracted? Yeah, you don't ask yourself, you know, which fucking routine should I do? What should I say? You know, shall I do push pull? Right? Like you ask yourself that early on when you're learning, but you reach a point where it's just fucking natural, right? Like at the risk of flattering ourselves, it's like, you know, do you think Lionel Messi is fucking micromanaging when he takes a shot? Or when he like, you know, dribbles through a few people? Like you just get used to it. So I don't really have special questions to ask a girl. I'm just feeling it. I'm, I'm just yeah, I, I, I guess it's more about, I, I know what you're saying. I guess my question was more about certain elements you're looking for in a long-term partner. So I quite like girls who are quite intellectual. I found that out yeah, over the last few years. So I'm, I'm going to ask her, you tell me about a book you've read recently. In the conversation, yeah, once we're getting to that stage, so I guess my question more is certain things like that that you're screening for, because if she's like gives you the wrong answer, you're like, well, fuck that shit. For me, I love women who travel. I'm not looking to settle down at the moment, but I love women who travel because it shows they've got a bit, a bit of adventure to them. It shows they, they see themselves as a, as a small piece of the universe, right? And they, they're a bit more humble. They've seen extreme poverty. They're, they're a bit more down to earth. So there's certain things like that that you're trying to screen for in a long-term partner. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the obvious one, like big pits, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 what I see, my screening would be more on a date. So you are a tits man. You're the only other man. I'm a fucking tits man. Everyone else, oh, the ass, they're going on about the Aristotle. I'm like, fuck, no, tits all the way, you know, tits, the bigger the better. I like white hips. I like wide hips, like wide childbearing hips. I've always liked them. But the actual roundness of the ass, so long as there's something there, I'm not that bothered. To me, it's the hips. I don't like narrow, like, boyish hips, you know? But anyway, to go on to character is, um, I think it's more something to find out in a date. I don't think I'm excessively screening in set. Right. Because, yeah, big look, you know, most girls flake anyway, you know. I, I don't want to be like ruling girls out, especially because on the day you often find things about them. Like right. You've got really in the set, right? Because the set's five minutes, ten minutes. It's high pressure. 
she's under pressure you, you may be not seeing how she really is and maybe you're missing signals you know that um we're on a date when everyone's a bit calmer you know there's often girls i've brought out on a date and i've said before i go on the date oh i think this is just some daft slag this will be one and done if i get her i'll try and pull her home and then on the date i'm like hang on i was totally wrong about this girl yeah that's um, true but what i'm looking for there's one thing and i have to put this as a proviso i've only just fucking really got back into day game so it's not like i'm doing a lot of this right now because COVID happened right right i'm completely fucked because i quit being a player in um june 2018 it was actually st petersburg which finally turned me off at a trip there so it was june 2018 so hold on let's just let's just dive into that quickly was there a was there a bad a horror story going on did you get robbed at gunpoint a la brazil no no, no. What, what it was was uh since about 2015 i was starting to lose my love for the game so I, like 2014 was my best year i had a great time released my best products you know i was fucking sitting pretty at the end of that year and uh 2015 came around i was like well i don't know what to do it was like no longer forward progression right i'd started let's get on the camera i'd started down here every year i'd just been getting better and better and better and better and my skill in my lifestyle design and the quality of girls whatever right every every year was better than the last right but then in 2014 i basically at the point of you know I'm not like oh yeah I've got like a harem of fucking tens right like you know like I don't think anyone's got one of them but it was at the point where I thought you know what I think I've got as far as I can realistically get right well 2015 started I was like well what now now I was treading water I was like well I'll just do it all again and doing it all again that's like going back to your favorite for your favorite holiday right it's never the same second time around so um so 2015 i became a little bit that's when i especially became a little bit more more of a junkie for girls right, right? you just started seeking the pleasure and the dopamine because i no longer had the sense of forward progression so i was already starting to fucking switch off and i was getting very volatile in my moods you know i'd either be really on and really good or really shit and um and that's when i really started looking for arguments online to keep myself entertained but then 2016 and actually before, to be fair to be fair some of the I think funniest blog post you've ever done was a series. I think you, I think you got a bit of shit for it. So maybe a few of them disappear. But day game buffoons. Uh, oh, yeah. Michael Valmont in a cupboard, closet homosexual. I just, I, <laughs> I, I showed that. To, I was fucking wetting myself. Johnny Cassell, Michael Valmont. There was uh, another slippery character, but I think he probably complained. She so had to take him off. But oh mate, if, if that's what that spurred it on, it was worth it because some of those. I'll link a couple of them below for guys that are interested. Yeah, it was funny. funny. It was funny. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I did that stuff, but yeah, it wasn't like particularly good for my state. It was good to like have a go at people and have fun, but yeah, it's not good for my state. But yeah, what happened is 2016 was arguably like my best year for results, but I wasn't that happy about it because, you know, I just felt like I was spinning my wheels. Right. You know, I, was, I was finally realizing that, you know, I don't really want to be a player the rest of my life. By right, 2014, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a permanent player. This is all awesome. every year while I die. But by right. 2015, I was like, no, there's a time limit on this. It, you know, the, the blooms come off the rose. It's not that much fun anymore, which is kind of hard to fucking tell a, a new guy when you say, you know, shagging loads of hot birds is not fun anymore. But it felt pointless. So right. I was already moving off it. And then I was also getting fat as fuck. Which meant, you know, I was having to be tighter and tighter in my game to get get good results because, you know, I start with a much reduced SMV. Right. And, uh, and then by 2018, it was just like a perfect storm. Is I was like, like I was proper, like 
big fat bastard, like, you know, blurry eyes from the alcohol, fucking no attention span. It was really fucking odd. So, you know, I shagged a few birds. It was more hard work than it needed to be. And I was, I just fucking, I just basically had my final meltdown. I was like, no more, can't do this anymore. So I thought, right, actually, what do I really want? Thought it through. And I thought, well, what I really want is to get out of this, take right. as much positive as I can from it in order to find a wife, start a family, buy a dog, you know, move on to the next part of my life. So that was like middle of 2018. But the problem is, is I realized that it was a much bigger process to unwind the negative side of being a player than I'd ever expected. Because I, I just thought, well, it's easy. All I do is I just change my strategy. You know, like you said, oh, yeah, you just thought they were a bit different. Yeah? You do things a bit different, no problem. But, but it's not because, you know, this is probably something you've seen with some of the lads that you've brought up over the years where, who got good, is they're not the same person they were when you first got them, right? Oh, no, they don't even hold their facial muscles the same way, right? They just look different. And because um, everybody, when they're trying to get good, they're trying to be a player. They're trying to be the guy where the girl looks at you and thinks, oh, he's the guy who fucks hot girls. So I'm a hot girl, I'll fuck him, right? Everyone wants to be that guy, right? So you try and model that guy and you try and be that guy. But the problem is, once you become that guy, not only do girls now look at you and think, oh, he's just the guy who fucks hot girls, I can't trust him, he's going to cheat on me, you can never nail those guys down, and therefore the real hotties fucking that are boyfriend hunting don't want you. But the other problem is you actually become that guy internally and you become a stone cold player. And you have to undo that. And it's not as hard as becoming a player, you know, like reverse that's definitely a shorter, easier, more certain process than becoming a player. But you know, becoming a player is really fucking hard for an average guy. But um, but it took me like two years, I would have said. Two you know, years. Yeah, you know, detoxing, changing my diet, changing, you know, being more normal with my friends, getting away from excitement you know i got banned off twitter and i thought you know what i'll just stay banned right avoid the shit you know i haven't watched any pickup videos for fucking years i don't even know what anybody's doing anymore right because i don't want to be thinking about that i don't want to be in that community you know i blogged less and when i did blog it was all book reviews you know i wanted to like fill up my brain with all these things that i neglected you know like all these things i could have been doing doing like learning and experience and i wanted to fill my brain up with that um yeah, it took time, and then it you know gets to the point where girls are looking and you think, oh, actually, yeah, this is the sort of guy you can date, you know, a girl whose boyfriend hunting. But the problem I had is by the time I finished this two-year program, is I set myself a date, April 1st, 2019, is when I like go back hit the day game and then start hitting it to get the girlfriend. Right. And one week earlier, fucking, you had a full lockdown in Belgrade on COVID, eight-week lockdown, and it's been shit since then, right? So I've been yeah. absolutely fucked by the Chinese. Um, I mean, by, you know, by, 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 by this, like, real pandemic. I've been absolutely fucked. And you know what it's like, right? Like, everywhere's shut. Everywhere's weird. So it was so frustrating that I had this, like, two-year plan. The two-year plan come to a fucking end one week after everything gets shit. So I had, like, two months in Moscow last year, September, October. Just during COVID. Just during COVID. Yeah. It was well, okay. I mean, well, Russia was like shut, and then they just specially reopened just to like three nationalities. It was like UK, Canada, and someone else or something, right? That's insane. Yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly who it was, but I know there was, there was just like three countries you were allowed into Moscow again, and UK was one of them, and I had a business visa, right, which I hadn't been able to use all year. 
So I went in about three or four days in September, and it was still really nice weather for September. And the streets were like really open. Like you had to wear masks to go indoors, but you could, you could eat in restaurants, you know, you just had to wear masks to go indoors. But it was really busy. It was like 60, 70% of what it normally is. And I just ran a mock. I had a fucking awesome time. Like it was the only real day game I did all year. I had a fucking awesome time. And uh, then October, the weather was shit. So you just couldn't find sets. It was like raining all the time. But that little September was good because that was my first. Because, you know, day game has like feedback. They're like real, reliable, valid evidence, right? That's what we're doing every time we're cold approaches, right? The girls, you mirror, all that sort of stuff. Right. And uh, so I had this like two year plan of like, right, I'm going to do this in order to get here. But I never knew if I'd actually succeeded in getting there, if it was actually going to work. Right. I was having to like basically do it on faith. So then when I went to Moscow, like in September, it's like the best day game I've done in my life in terms of, you know, IYs, attraction, strong hook points, hot girls naturally liking you. You know, my, my end results weren't anything special, but like just within my normal expectation. But the fucking early attraction was like, fucking hell, being in shape really matters. It, it really makes a difference. You know, it was like the first time in my life I'd done day game, like in shape. You know, like... Um, and then the actual girls, you know, it was like the same sort of girls who would just fucking fob me off a few years earlier because I was a player and they wanted a boyfriend. They were now actually paying attention. So maybe the plan worked. We'll see. Hopefully when they open up, I'll know for sure. Is but I can't, plan, give very, I can't give you viewers like a final answer because I haven't finished, right? It's, it's, it's progress. And I actually, you, you were, I remember you writing a bit about that and I'd love to see it because... You're basically a few years ahead of me, and, and you've got people like Breeding Sin and other guys who are, who are kind of around that age. And <clears throat> there's not much in the kind of, I guess, the, the the manosphere about exiting that I've read. So it's it's kind of a niche that I, I think needs filling. But I guess that's whether to be seen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a lucrative niche, man, because there's not many people who are going to be doing it, right? Because you think, what are the preconditions to want to know how to exit being a successful player? Well, you've got to be a successful player first, right? So that immediately limited like five percent of the day game community. That's <laughs> true. So I mean, like, like the, the money's at the beginners, right? Because everyone tries it and it has this brutal fucking drop off rate because it's so fucking hard. But yeah, I do think it's. But in terms of you know being interesting, yeah, for someone like yourself or me or Grudy or someone or my pal Jimmy, it's it's the key issue. You're like, right? I'm already successful. I already know the game. I've already like had enough girl adventures for ten lifetimes. What next, right? What do I do next? And there's not many people are doing that, so I don't have anyone to look forward to as a model for me. You know, I mean, I'm trying it, but I, but I haven't got there yet. So most of what I'm doing, I'm doing on faith. I'm reasoning it out based on my experience and what knowledge I can find of other people. And I'm thinking, okay, this looks like the way to do it, but until it actually works, you know, who knows? It, it could be that we're all permanently broken men, mate. Yeah, that's true. A um, couple more questions, Nick. You've given fantastic value, yeah, but sure. just to end, a um, couple of things. So who are you still in, one question up, right back up the scroll, was who are you still in touch with from the early days? So, you know, the guys you originally started off with, who are you still kind of hanging around with, who are you still talking to? All right. Um, so early days, for people who don't know, that'll be 2009, 2011-ish. Um, well, still fucking great pals with Jimmy. He was like my original mentor the guy i lived with my so he goes he goes by the name of jimmy jambone apparently he's and redoing he... his website soon he's gonna do a bit but uh get back into it so yeah he's still like my best pal you know like 
he was there right at the beginning. I met him about six months in uh, after my first cold approach. Right. Um, yes. I mean, he's literally he's here in Belgrade. He got here a couple of weeks ago. We're hanging out all the time. Um, there was Mick. Was I'm still on friendly terms with him, but he married a Mexican girl and moved back to uh, Tasmania like a few years ago. So obviously Tasmania, we're not really. Yeah, it's pretty much just liking each other's Instagram pics and the odd message, right? Yeah, his life is now on the other side of the world, but I'm still on good terms with him. My Brazilian mate, Fernando, same thing. Right. Uh, he went back to um, Brazil. He started a business there, which has gone really well. So now he's like a businessman in his hometown in Brazil. So, you know, I went to visit him in 2013. And then a couple of years ago, me and Jimmy met him in uh, Lisbon, Portugal. We had like a long weekend there. So, you know, we're right. still like brilliant mates, but... You know, you can't really be that pally with someone on the other side of the world, especially when he's from a country ahead. Um, sorry, Brazilians, but I fucking hate the country. Even though two of my best friends are Brazilian. So there you go. Um, other guys, there's Johnny. He was one of them. He's still in London. He's still really close to Jimmy. He was living with Jimmy. I see him every now and then, but we're not close anymore. Then I don't think, and obviously fucking... Um, my best friend from Wales, like, we fell out, right? So we don't talk. I mean, we're not a, like fucking daggers or anything, but, you know, we don't talk. We're not pals anymore. So, uh, so no, I, th- I think that's it. I mean, if I've missed anyone, sorry. Like, But, yeah, like, most, like, a lot of the guys I hang out with now, they're more like the second generation guys, you know, 2013, 2014, when they all start coming through, you know. So, you know, they're good pals and that, but it's not the early days. Not, not to me, anyway. It's not early days for me. But then, like you know, I, I guess you're unique in the sense that you've ba- basically written um, and, and partly blogged, you know, your entire kind of journey from from the very beginnings all the way through over basically a decade, which is yeah. sick, you know, because it's like a living memoir. Well, it is a living memoir. But if you're flipping back to, to, to the journey you've been on, what would you tell you know any advice for guys who are maybe starting off with the early days? Any things that you would have done differently? Maybe some value they can take for almost like younger versions of themselves, you know, going into the 34 year old crowds and would you've done things differently the same would it yeah, have played yeah. out for sure i mean i i mean i was i mean i don't regret anything i was lucky as i was doing it when it wasn't really there that's a double-edged sword right the problem is you waste a lot of time fucking up and doing the wrong thing and there's no guarantee you're going to learn the right thing but plus side is you know it felt like you know being the first person to plant your flag on the pole right it was like the it's like the great era of exploration, right? You feel like fucking Captain Cook going to these places, you know, for the first time. So that was great. But if I was doing it now, well, the first thing I'd say is day game has been solved, right? We have, we know how it's done. We know the optimal way to do it. I'd say there hasn't been any real technical advance in day games since about 2016, 2017. Um, we know how it's done. Everything new that people are talking about, it's just marketing. It's it's not real, right? Um, and whether they try and get you off it in the Instagram game or fucking how to Tinder, it's it's bullshit, right? Nothing beats day game for quality. Nothing beats it. Everything else is just marketing bullshit and telling people how they don't need the cold approach and deal with approach anxiety, right? It's just it's just like the male version of Oprah Winfrey telling people what they want to hear to take their money. I like so, the way you, I like the way you said you say that though, because I'm always saying that. And Tinder has created more problems than it has answers. It's a fucking business. Of course, you're not going to meet up with your fucking dream girl, right? So I agree with you completely. Cold approach has always been the best way, but it's nice to hear it from from someone else. So yeah, and even you, right? like, I'm, 
I'm sure as fast Tinder people go, you probably do well on Tinder compared to the average guy, but you still think their game's better, right? Everybody... I've gone on three dates. I've gone on probably 50 Tinder dates, right? Three of them, three girls out of 50, were genuinely hot as per the photos. And the yeah. rest, it was a complete... I spent must have spent thousands of hours. And if I'd put that into actually socialising, increasing my intelligence, you know, on a, on a social level, yeah. I mean, that, that's where it's better invested, right? Yeah, it's like I've never met the man yet who can day game, who says Tinder can compare. Like, I mean, there's plenty no, of guys who can't day game. Okay, right? But seeing you, seeing you in the Tinder or Instagram game is basically saying you don't know how to do pickup, right? That's what it really is, you know? So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I'd say to the guys, like, you know, so guys getting into it, right? Like, don't fall for the hype of, you know, the latest is the greatest, right? Every six months, there's a new fucking charlatan comes in with a new fucking story. I mean, I've blogged about a bunch of them to expose them, right? Like, every year, it's a different guy, right? Every two years. And they've always got a story. They always have flunkies. They always make a bit of a fucking fizz. They always have a new method. And it just never is. It just never is, right? It's like boxing, right? The, the, you know, boxing technique hasn't really changed in 60 years, right? It's not going to change, right? It, we just know how it's done now. We know the optimal way. Right, London Day game model is one formulation of it. There's probably a couple of others that are, you know, equally good. I don't know, presumably, but we know how it's done. That's the first thing. Don't fall for the hype. Don't try and do the magic fucking versions. Uh, second one is um, brace yourself for an extremely steep learning curve, um, but don't worry too much because there will always be little bits of hope in terms of hook points and numbers and eye dates where, you know, yeah, I remember this quote uh, Alex Ferguson said. So Alex Ferguson, when um, when um, Manchester United bought Andy Cole from Newcastle, right, amazing striker, they broke the transfer record. A year later, Andy Cole still couldn't fucking score for Manchester United, right? And he was asked, they said, look, Alex, are you a bit worried that Andy, that Andy Cole keeps missing all these shots? He's like, no, I'd be worried if he wasn't getting the shots. Right. So that's where how I think a beginner day game I should look at, you know, not getting laid. There's a lot of things that take, there's a lot of milestones between leaving the house and getting laid, right? There's getting onto the street into the mix. There's actually doing the sets. There's getting a hook right. point. There's getting a sign of attraction. There's successfully doing an amount of rapport. There's learning how to do spikes. There's taking a number. There's doing text game. There's getting a girl on an idea, right? There's all sorts of fucking waypoints which are telling you that there's um you're doing okay you just haven't got the whole way right you haven't got the whole way so when you're dealing with this like brutal learning curve early in day game really really brutal learning curve is look for these positives where you think you know like right, i'm not going the whole fucking way yeah i haven't won the jackpot i haven't scored the goal but you know did i get some things which are part of this process right is there some things i'm getting good at you know this girl likes me She's attracted, but you know, whatever. She's got a boyfriend, although she just sits apart. I didn't fuck her, right? You put that on Twitter, everyone's like, haha, you suck, right? But the reality is, you made a nice girl attracted to you. That's a good thing, right? So use those to keep your spirits up. Uh, I'd say never underestimate SMV. You know, I was right. a little so let's, 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 let's talk about that then, because I think I kind of make the joke that the guys that I learned from, um, not naming names, but it was almost a cool thing to look like a, a homeless guy in a van with, you know, like you haven't showered in a week. Uh, whereas yeah. I very much say to guys, why not max out the things you can? Fitness, finances look fucking shit hot. It makes life easier. Game becomes one avenue of skill. Yeah. But you're not having to be become a fucking super player 
with a really high intellect and understanding for it because you've got these other little value adds. So you would have you'd have said maybe focus a bit more on the SMB side of it at the beginning as well. Yeah, because yeah, because uh, I underestimated that um, partly because I didn't really need it, and partly because my expectations getting in were low. So you know, I didn't worry too much that I went like you know nearly a year not getting laid because I just assumed it was going to be really fucking hard and I would be like having a really difficult time. But you know, like I think I would have had an easier time if I'd been a bit more careful about my SMV. And then later. You know, I got into a reasonable shape. You know, I was like normal guy shape, but I wasn't. You know, like my physique, my physique was not a, a plus. It was just not a minus, right? It was, I could have made it a plus. You know, my style took me a long time to learn my style. I didn't get a style which could kind of cover for the fact that I wasn't in shape. So my right. style was plus what I was going to do, but it could have still been better. And you know, I, I didn't used right around about 2015, 2016 when I was fat. I didn't enjoy the summer months because I couldn't wear a jacket to hide my gut, you know? It's like, <laughs> would it be a lot nicer if, like, you know, I was, I was happy enough to wear a T-shirt, right? Um, so, yeah, don't underestimate SMB, guys. Was there any, Nick, would there been anything else? So you mentioned, obviously, the, fish, uh, the fitness and the fashion. Any other kind of elements of SMB that you would have focused on in hindsight or not really? I don't think the money's a big deal. Uh, right. I think you just have to have enough that you're not a loser. You know, like, I mean, if you're living in a fucking van... Yeah, you're a fucking loser, right? Like it's gonna take a lot to like overcome that. But if you just like, uh, you know, if you got like an average job or you know, like you, you know, you're just living in a reasonable apartment in a reasonable part of town when you travel, you know, you can take a girl to a, for coffee to the nice cafe, you know, getting out, getting a meal every now and then for a date is not a big deal, you know. It's it's I think that's enough because especially you know the hottest girls are in broadcast countries anyway, so that's very you know. True. The main competition isn't other day gamers. It's the it's the, the all the other men she could be talking to the locals, right? And you know all all the best girls are in countries where just the average Westerner has got way more money than. So you know you don't have to worry about it. Um, I mean, obviously, you know you don't look like a tramp in that. So you know, take some care. You know, have a shower <laughs> and stuff. You know, wear, wear wear clothes that fit that are reasonably new. Yeah, I get all that. But I don't think money's a big deal. I do think. Um, you know, you gotta have more that more in your life than day game. You know, you gotta have some pals who are not day gamers. You gotta have some hobbies that you do when you come home from day gaming, whether it's you know, reading, fucking writing languages, fucking gym, or well, whatever the fuck it is, right? Whatever you do, right? I think you gotta do that. Otherwise, you just get this tunnel vision in day game. And not only does that make you a little bit fucking weird, but what it also does is it means your emotional state becomes completely dependent on how well your day game's going. So yeah, you, you feel like that, right? You don't have any stability, and you really don't want to go down that route. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It's no fun at all, you know. Yeah, for for me, it got to the stage in a couple of years. I was hitting the day game hard. And I was going on dates, and girls were asking me, "What do you do for fun?" And I was having to make shit up. And at that point, I knew the the balance was lacking, right? Because it's yeah, you don't want to become just reliant on on women as your validation source, right? You're, no, but you have nothing to talk about, right? Because yeah. like, you talk about shagging girls on a date, and if that's the only thing you do, you literally have nothing to talk about. Like, I had that problem. You know, so I thought, yeah, shit, I better get some shit going on in my life that I can actually talk about, that I care about. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, Rima has it that you're doing some coaching. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been coaching um, properly, again, since 2018. So what I've been right. doing is I've been taking um, six residential clients a year, so is this in both grade or you, you, you go elsewhere? 
depends. I mean, it's been usually Belgrade and Moscow, but I've done some in Prague and Warsaw as well. Um, yeah, that's a because it's like a one-on-one thing that that's kind of negotiated with each client, right? It's not like a bootcamp where you know they all have to come and do the same thing at the same time. So yeah, so I mean, I like doing resis because five days with a guy um, in field, you, you really get you, you get to know, you know. You see his strengths, you see his weaknesses. You get to see the patterns underlying the those strengths and weaknesses. You know, like what are the root causes? You get to see the mindset issues, and you get to really fucking work stuff out. And you get to patiently drill every single part of the model. So you know, like usually day one, I do pre-approach. Um, right. Day two, usually I'm doing um, the opener and approach geometry, target selection. Usually third day. We're getting into the actual first 30 seconds of the set and then do some recording. Then normally day four, we're doing a lot of analysis of what's going on in the set and the girls' reactions and calibration. And then, you know, day five, normally another set of, you know, recording and calibration. So, you know, like that's the sort of thing where you need the time. You need the time to get another guy and you need to, you know, patiently work through each thing to make things fit. Um, so that's what I've been doing. So I've been doing like six guys a year. Um, and are you taking are you taking Indian lads this time? I have before. Um, it depends what type of Indian guy. If he's cool, if you know. Cool. Problem. The problem is, um, I mean, India is a big country, right? A billion people or whatever, right? And there's a lot of fucking weirdos there. So the, the problem is because you know the the PUA community is very adversarially selected, right? It's like you know you only get into it if you're not getting the successful women you want. It's right. very rare to get a guy who's doing good with women and is simply ambitious and wants more. Nearly always it's from a position of a problem. And uh, and sadly, the way it's marketed is a lot of guys, especially day game, more than night game, a lot of guys think night game is like an end run around having to be cool. Right. You know, they think, well, in day game, you're not really competing with all these other guys. In Which is nonsense, game, isn't it? Because you just can't nice. see them, but you fucking are. High-value women getting all these DMs on Instagram, hanging around in VIPs and nightclubs with high-value men. She's, she's getting a lot. You, it's just almost blinkers on, isn't it? Pretending that you're not competing. Well, she's at university, so she's 50% of the people around her are men. The men right. are very right? Some of them are cool. Right? So, yeah, it's like... But like a lot of guys get this idea that that day game is like, you know, you've got a spell. It's a book of magic spells, right? And all you have to do is learn how to say the spell properly and then you fucking summon the demon, right? It's not that at all. But it's really easy for, you know, desperate, delusional people to believe that, especially with, right? Oh, I three simple tricks and all that, right? But yeah, this is the model. If you just learn the model, that's enough, right? And um, so yeah, like you get adversarially selected people come in and the thing all you have to do is learn the model. You're like, no, the model is just a set of support to become cool and attractive. Right. Right? Like all the model is is a way of delivering value. Right? It's a way of delivering charisma. It's a way of moving a girl along, you know, a process set down by biology for how courting happens. It just happens to be in a particularly you know, refined, efficient way where you get to drop all these different things in and a little five, ten minute bit, and then you learn how girls react and get right. But it's you, you, it's like think of it this way, right? It's like I'm always using boxing analogies like all the fucking time, right? You do but love a bo- you do love a boxing analogy, but it works quite well because you talk about the untrained boxer who just thinks you can stop in a ring, and you're basically saying, "Go to Moscow, approach a ten, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you," right? Because you yeah, need technique, you need nuances, yeah, it's all straight. And like a lot of it's the attributes. So it's like 
you can take, like, you know, a guy who looks like fucking Jarvis Cocker or someone, right? And you can teach him how to box. But if his body is still Jarvis Cocker, he's not going to knock out Lennox Lewis, right? Even if he's doing the technique properly, because there's no engine. Right. His, his attributes aren't there. He doesn't have this power, the resilience, the durability, the fitness, right? And it's the same thing in day game. You can get guys who can do the fucking model, but, but if they've got no vibe, if they've got no personality, if they've got no SMB, it's just an empty charade. It's just an empty charade. It has no power, right? It's like it's got nothing, even though it looks technically like you're doing the model. So, you know, but a lot of guys don't get this. You know, they don't get that. You know, a game is personal transformation. And, you know, you've got this fucking thing, which, which you do, but you want to do well, you want to learn it, but you've got actually put into this value, like vibe, charisma, social acuity, looks maxing, aesthetics, you know, getting to the right market. You know, you got to do this. So, um, so with Indians, for example, yeah, there's some fucking cool Indians out there, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll coach them. You know, I can tell. This is why I screen guys in like Skype chats before I take the money. So you, what you, yeah, when you when you say screening, what do you kind of? If a guy is looking to come to you for coaching, and we'll, we'll obviously put your details below so they can get directly in touch with you. But yeah, yeah. are there kind of a couple of key things that you're looking for, like any attributes in particular? Uh, well, the main ones I'm looking for, right, is um, first of all, sorry to the guy who. Uh, mentioned this earlier but like um i'm not i don't coach people who are on the spectrum not if right. they're like really on the spectrum really on the spectrum because i just don't think their success probability is high enough that i, that I feel like i can take their money i feel like i'm mugging them right i'm just conning them and picking the pocket so i don't want to take that you right. know um, and a little bit on the spectrum is not so bad you know like I'm, i think i'm actually a tiny little bit on the spectrum and i certainly like on my my dad's side of the family they're a little bit aspy um, so the first thing is I'm just I want to talk to them because you know on an email you could be a dog right but when you're on a video talk you get the feeling does someone actually have like you know reasonable basic level social skills because right? right. you need that's a prerequisite like if you don't have those you need to get that long before you start thinking of big in coaching right you know you have to do that whole process of you know how to become normally socially calibrated because you know day game and seduction is a you know that's like sprinting compared to this other stuff is crawling right you need that base so you know but i mean fortunately most guys uh have this right it's second thing i'm looking for is like are you an evil cunt but some guys are just evil cunts they're like i want to get bitches you know show me how to hurt the bitches you know so show you want the evil cunts or you don't want the evil cunts? i don't want them i don't want them <laughs> right because i'm not on team day game right i'm not on team player Right. right, you've changed it's, your change your. Well, like if some guy comes to me and he's fucking, you know, sometimes happen. Like these are not the common thing, right? These are the rarity. But you know, a guy will come over. Hey, are you Nick Krauser? Yeah, I am. Oh yeah, like I was just on a date with this HP seven point two five last night, and oh yeah, fucking bitch, like fucking expecting me to pay the check. I told her to get fucked and walked out on I alpha or whatever, right? Like I just think you're a cunt. It's like I think you know when like if you're having a trouble, if you're having trouble shagging women, I'm happy. You know, I don't want women to shag you because you're an horrible cunt, right? I'm on the women's side here. Right? right. Like, you know, horrible people are horrible people. And the fact that you fucking bought my textbook doesn't stop me being a cunt, right? So, like, again, this is a minority. I very rarely encounter these guys, right? But sometimes you encounter one and you just think, like, if I teach them day game, I'm basically just giving a fucking pistol to a school shooter. Right? Like, I'm not going to do that. So that's, an, that's another reason. And obviously, you can't ask them on email, oh, you're a fucking arsehole, right? Yeah, them on a chat, yeah. You can get some of yeah, that. Right. Um, then the third thing is they have to have a proper learning mentality. 
you know, the, the, they haven't got to be one of these guys who already thinks he fucking gets it. And he just needs a bit of polishing because they never are. They never are. You know, you know yourself, right? You see a guy do like three sets. You see a lot, right? And a lot of it, he's got no fucking idea. You have to tell him, look, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And, you know, you only need to see like three sets. You know, normally then five minutes of talking to him, you know what his biggest problem with women is, right? But he might be totally oblivious to it. So, you know, you need a guy to come in a little bit humble, a little bit of a white belt, maybe yellow belt mentality, you know, where he's like, yeah, I've done it, I've learned a few things, but I'm sure I'm doing loads wrong, so I will, like, submit myself to your expertise. Is that? Um, this is what I said when I went with my PT to the gym. I wanted that. I was thinking of these things about my mentality. Is I didn't fucking, you know, when my coach tells me do the lift this and do it this way, I'm not, oh, I'll do it this way, actually. Right? The ego. So, you're not no ego kind of based behavior, right? Just being humble, that eternal student mindset. Yeah, you just look like I hired you because you're the expert. So, I'm going to treat you like the expert. Yeah. Right? I'm not paying you to tell me that I'm on your level to put my ego, right? Yes. And, um, and what would be the other one? Oh, yeah, and they've got to just really be motivated. Because, you know, five days of coaching, right? It's, it's not cheap and it's hard work. And, you you know, you can only coach someone if they're doing the sets, right? Like if someone's not won't do the sets, right, because they've got a approach anxiety or a bit lazy, you can't really coach them, which means they're not going to get valued. Like if a guy's not getting sets in, he needs an approach coach, not a fucking day game coach. Right. right. So this this is a key difference. So you want him to be at a stage where he's able to basically approach, you know, not like a yeah. maniac, but just enough more than he's not approaching. Eighty percent of the time, sees that whole girl and actually take, is able to take the action, even if it's shit. Conversation, he just yeah, takes the action. I don't mind if it's shit because shit at least means like you've identified problems, right? But the guy's got to actually go out and do the work, you know, like the guy I just had um, this week. You know, I mean, nice guy, but he was struggling to get hook points, right? Right. So that was good, though. I mean, not good for him, but it was good for the coaching because what it meant is I was, you know, I kept seeing him do all these different things that were wrong or suboptimal in these sets where he was getting blown out. So we were able to say, look, you got the approach geometry wrong. Right, let's work on the approach geometry, right? Okay, here's the fucking, you know, the five basic types of stuff. Let's drill them. Just geometry, literally, like the angles and distance and shit, like how high you have your hands and how you do it, right? Let's get that right, right? You know, or it might be something like, yeah, look, you're not even looking at the girl with eye contact as you give the opener. It's a bit weird. You're looking behind her, right? That's freaking her out, so you're not getting the hook point, right? So, so long as they're doing sets, even if they're doing them absolutely diabolically wrong, well, all that means is I've got tons I can fix, right? I've got loads of meat to work with now because he's doing loads wrong. In every single bit of correct, he's just going to get an incremental bit more success, right? But they've got to be doing the sets. You know, you can't be walking around eight hours not doing sets. So, you, you know, he's just wasted his money, hasn't he? And that makes me feel bad, right? Sure. So you're, you're, you're going to be running these, is it just in case guys get in touch and then you you, you thrash it out this year where you're going to be? Yeah, with these yeah just email right. me. That's what's up. Nice one. Um any final concluding thoughts, Mr. Krauser? I mean, it's been a pleasure having you on. Dropped a lot, a fuck ton of value. Obviously, you know, links below. Anyone wants to get in touch with Nick, emails will um, be there. Books are going to be there. Really, pleasure to chat with you again, James. I haven't seen you for a while. I think last time I saw you was when you were still allowed in Belgrade, wasn't it? It was. Um, so I, t- I went there with an American guy, and we filmed the series. The problem is, I didn't blur faces, and Serbs can be quite nationalistic. And I got a 
couple of national newspapers picked up on it. I basically got a shit ton of death threats. And I haven't been back to Belgrade since then. Um, yeah, I heard the story. I haven't heard it from you. I heard it from Rudy and I think someone else. But yeah. yeah. Is that, you know, Luckily, if you search me online now and type in Serbian newspaper, it's so far back in time that it's not really there. But I do feel like if I walk along Nesmihailova, I'm going to get recognized. And some there's always that outlaw that might just do something stupid. So... I do really want to go back to Serbia because I think over I love it as a place and that you know it's it's one of the best locations when you when you factor in all the types of things like receptionists of foreigners, level of English, logistics, weather, cost of living, all these factors. It's one of the best cities in the world for dating. Um, but I'm just slightly concerned I'm gonna get knifed in the face. So I might go up to Novosad or I might go some around some other towns. The good thing though, the thing in your favour though is Belgrade's not like a normal capital city, is you know, people come into Belgrade for a few years and then leave. Like, um, I mean, right. I've been here since 2012, and I never see anybody that I know from 2012, 13, 14, 15. Because, you know, Belgrade, you know, it's a small town, right? I mean, it's technically big, but it feels small around the what's, town. What's the population, roughly, Nick? You know, it's the same size as Prague, but it feels way smaller when it, you're in it. It does because you've got Nesmi Hilova, and most people think that's basically the only place you can approach, right? Just along that street. Yeah, I mean, it's the best place, but it's not the only place. But yeah, it's like, you know, Belgrade's got a lot of people, covers a lot of space, but the actual bit that you want to be, because, you know, it's a bit of a ratty shit shithole, except for the, you know, small nice places. The bit you want to be, you see the same people over and over again, right? So it, it used to be almost comedic how many, you know, after I'd spent a lot of time in Belgrade, is, yeah, I'd keep bumping into girls I'd fucked. I'd always bump into girls I'd fucked or who I dated or I'd be on a date and see another girl. But, what I realized is you only saw girls going back like two years, maybe three years. Interesting. And then those girls would they'd go off to Banaluka or Novi Sad or back to wherever the fuck they're from, and you would, you'd never see them again. So it was like this like rolling thing that you keep bumping into girls that you've met in the last couple of years, but never further back. So, you know, there's a good chance that all those people in Belgrade who want to, who want to kill you are like literally no longer in Belgrade. Yeah, I was, I was planning on going to uh, Tbilisi just for the fuck of it, because uh, I've got a couple of friends there and I wanted to check it out. And then I was kind of open, so what I may do is early June pop over, um, uh, wearing, wearing a hoodie, sunglasses on, just, just for the first day, just to make sure. Um, and then, yeah, just, just touching very briefly on the other stuff, any book recommendations non-game at the moment? I know you've been piling through the books the last few years. Anything that's got, got really like been, been a, a standout? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I've read like 500 books in three years, so that's a lot. Uh, do you ever do you ever listen to them? Because I'm a big fan of this the, the audio world, no, right? No, where you've got a charismatic speaker and blah blah blah, but everyone else is like, no, I fucking prefer to read. No, I mean I was listening to uh, the Art of War audiobook last night, but I only listen to audiobooks when I'm trying to get to sleep, so I want to give my eyes a rest. But I right. find reading is much, much more uh, much faster and I take right. it better personally. Okay. So I always read. Um, very good book I read this year was uh, Why We Sleep. I think Matthew Walker. I know Why he's the Rogan podcast. He's a sleep scientist. And it was like a major book that was, you know, it was in like Waterstones and all that, like paperback. So it's really going into the science of what sleep does, why we sleep, how to get more sleep. Fascinating. I immediately changed my sleeping program after reading it when, when he really convinced me that, you know, there's a lot of the stuff I was doing was suboptimal to get to sleep and that I really, really needed to get to sleep. Right. Um, that was an excellent book. There was an anti-aging book I read uh, called Lifespan by David Sinclair. 
He's right. a chief, uh, gerontology scientist at one of the like, US universities. So it's like a, he presents like, the information view of aging. There's a book review of it on my blog. But that was fascinating going into age. And, and he's, he's really of the opinion, I don't know if he's right, but he's really of the opinion that aging is essentially a disease and you can cure it. Interesting. Um, you know, and you can actually make, depending on how you live, and you know, what you eat and what you do, you can literally slow down aging on a cellular level. So that, you know, like you're 50, but really your body is like 38, right? You know, to, to all things that matter, you know, age is just a number and a piece of paper. So it's not like, yeah, we can become immortal and live forever, but you know, you see, look, there's no fucking reason why, you know, your body has to go into this decline and then just get totally fucking knackered by the time you're 75, you know? So that was very interesting. On There's a lot of, you know, very specific, actionable advice in it. No, uh, Gary Bailey yeah. in the Blood of Virgins, a la Transylvanian, Transylvanian nutcases. There was one, there was one. No, 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 no that's not that, like that fucking <laughs> Karen's Bathory, Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah, no, yeah. no it's, it's really simple stuff. You'd be surprised. Um, I read a good book on uh, called The Telomere Effect. Telomere effect. So telomeres are like the little like caps on the end of your DNA, which keep right. your DNA together. And what happens is as you get older, they wear down. Right? Like they don't get replenished as effectively and they wear down, and then you start to get errors in your cells, of which right. is, a is a symptom of this. So that book's all about how telomeres work, what the research is, why it's important, and then how to you know avoid the things that damage your telomeres prematurely, for example, smoking. Right. And how to do things that, uh, yeah, and how to do things that it's, I think it's telomere, T E L O M E R E, but anyway, and um, so like that, tello-m-e-r-e on the end, M E R E, and then tello, tello means, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's close enough anyway. They'll, they'll be able to find out the telomere effect. But anyway, so what he's saying basically is um, a lot of things we do in modern life are basically hastening the erosion of our telomeres, which bring on symptoms of aging before you need them. Things like smoking, things like um, cured meats, things like you know traffic pollution and that. And then there's other things you can do, like the certain supplements you can take, which replenish you with the raw materials of the thing that fixes the telomeres. There's all that stuff. It's very interesting. Although right. the book, although the book in uh, by the end just all used for world communism and uh, mass immigration, sadly, really weird. It goes from being a really scientific book to then halfway through it says, "Oh, we've noticed that if you're poorer, you have shorter telomeres, and if you're in the third world, you have shorter telomeres. Therefore, the answer is to change." policy in the West to just have unlimited mass immigration and communism. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I quite agree with that. But it's really funny how it just becomes this like mad, crazy Marxist screed at the end. But the first half of it's great. That's right. Um, are you are you teetotal now? Yeah, but not deliberately. I just I just don't see the point of drinking. Is because um, you know every time I drink I think well I've got I've got to get these calories back somehow on my diet. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, well, this is just hindering my training. I mean, I just did leg state today, right? I had fucking trouble walking up the bank afterwards, right? And like, John Wayne. <laughs> the cowboy yeah. legs, like John Wayne. 
It was horrible. So like, I was thinking, if I'm training that fucking hard at the gym, I'm not going to be sabotaging it by knocking it. It is sabotage, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Are you? Yeah. Final thing. So, guys, obviously, get in touch with Nick. Uh, he's added massive amounts of value to this industry as a whole. Um, you're doing live training. You're also doing. You're open for Skype coaching. Yeah. Um, although that's almost uh, full now, but obviously, you know, people drop off when they've, you know got what they want and then I'm you know I'll put a new guy in on the slot so yeah I'm, I'm theoretically open for Skype coaching um, how's the best how's the best way for guys to get in touch with you Nick oh they should still get in touch with me you know like you know my email nickcrowser1 at gmail.com right. um, just with a Skype coaching they might have to wait a little while until a you know spot comes free that they can take a regular spot because at the minute I'm all up but I'm certainly going to be you know spot will come free right um yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've given fuckloads of value. I think, guys, this is going to be a really popular one. Um, so, yeah, we'll call it a day, and then we'll just stay on for one minute. Uh, but, yeah, cheers, yes, guys. Yeah. Uh, on a special um, discount for your channel is anyone who messages me and says I'm really in shape, and actually I do like Jason Statham, you get a 1% discount. <laughs> there you go, guys. Some, some, some 